And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, Kaz hatches a plan to rescue his friends, while the First Order's quest for power takes a dark turn. And then later, following the destruction of Hosnian Prime and other systems, Kaz and Yeager lead the forces of the Colossus into battle with the First Order. There will be... Heartbreaking revelations. We lose a character along the way. But you know, the sharks have a very tasty buffet in this episode. We are talking about No Escape Part 1 and Part 2 this week. I am Hope Monax. I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Chris Honeywell. How are you doing, Chris? Hi. No one cares. Anyway, because we are also <laughs> joined. <laughs> we are... That's why oh. I try to give a little extra zazz to my high, because I know you're just going to be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are also joined by one of my and I and I always say this for everybody but he really is one of my absolute favorite people in the entire world. That's how he, they get on the show. <laughs> I butter them up. No, they have to be one of your favorite people. Well, like everyone's my favorite people. Stop interrupting me. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, Mark. There is a shut the fuck up Chris rule. If he's just babbling on, you can just be like shut the fuck up and then It's fun. It is. And it, he doesn't take any offense. If you do it to me, I'll cry. So It's fun and effective. <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> you and, think nece- and necessary. I will be the first you think we're kidding. That. We're not. So he is the host of... Pi- well, <clears throat> no. <clears throat> Sorry, I tricked on spit. Let me try that again. <clears throat> he is one of the hosts of Pink Milk After Dark, streaming Friday nights on YouTube, as well as the host of the Star Trek podcast, Taking a Number Two, part of the Bad Motivators Patreon network. He is so funny, so smart, so lovely. I adore him so much. Welcome to the show, Mark Perez! Hello! Hello! Hi, how are you? Awesome, I finally get to be on the show. I know, I know! Isn't it weird that, like, we've only known each other for a year, but I feel like I've known you my entire life? It's, a lot has happened in this last year. We got a lot of living done during that time, and a lot of it over video or Skype or chatting, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm just so happy to have you here. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, um, just so if people are wondering, if somebody has never heard of Pink Milk After Dark or Taking the Number Two, what are these shows about? All right, so uh, Pink Milk After Dark, uh, we're on Friday nights at uh, 7.30 Pacific Time, and it's where we discuss Star Wars queerly, and I am on there with Brian, who I call Papa Smurf, and M, the all-knowing, and we just chatted up about Star Wars and all this stuff, and then we have great people who join us in our chat room, which we call the Steam Room. And just go over topics. And again, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's the first live stream podcast I've ever done. So it's something new for me. But 
it's it's been great just getting to talk with them over time and just meet people through the chat and just everything that happens on a weekly basis has been great so uh, i'm having a lot of fun all i'm missing is m because we've had brian on the show uh he was in our episode gone with the trace and now you're here and now i just need to get emma onto the show and then we'll have all the all the glasses of pink Awesome. And um, as for taking a number two, um, that is a Star Trek podcast, like you said, on the Bad Motivators Patreon network. Um, and I do that with Dallas and Steve and Katherine. And we just we usually get together and discuss like either sections of like the latest Star Trek shows or doing I want to say it's probably since the, the shows have ended for now. We've been going over the movies um, in chronological order. Ooh, and wow. yeah, up next we have everyone's favorite Star Trek Five. So, <laughs> oh, well, I like Star Trek Five. I have, yeah, I like Star Trek Five for what it is. It's almost like a glorified cool. episode of the TV show, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so Shatner. Cool it's so Shatner that it's like it it's is. like oh, look at Dad's Star Trek. It's it's got one of my single favorite star trek movie moments in it though so i mean Uh, really i I, there's a couple of them i i I, one of my favorite lines is of course kirk asking he goes what does god need with yes yeah that is that is the that is the perfect kirk line he's like wait like he's facing god and he's like wait a minute you want my ship i don't think i want to give you my ship yeah yeah and we get the famous uhura dance too yes the fan dance <laughs> but yes that's uh it, and that's also a lot of fun um we don't do it as often yeah you know because it's hard to get everyone's schedules to work out but when we do we have a lot of fun so um when i asked you onto the show um you specifically picked these two episodes and yeah. so i was wondering what is it that you love about resistance as a show and also why did you pick these two episodes out of the two seasons you could have chosen from so you know it's funny because i mean there's there's a lot of build-up obviously you got to know the characters over this season right you know um and and for me uh, the animation is fantastic by the way i think it's some of the best animation that star wars has put out there I agree. Um, it's a yes. beautiful show i mean i was looking at it again and i'm like god i was like this really had like its own character and it just has mm-hmm. this, this its own flavor and, and it's funny because i used to kind of make fun of like the cutaways and i'm all like wait a minute it's just like a total soap opera. Well, how come I didn't get this before? Like you got your like you put this like dramatic moment out and then you cut away and then you come back and it's like, oh, it's resolved already, so to speak, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I picked up on that. But I think for me, these two episodes, it's just I, I'm the type of person where I love when you've put, invested your time into a whole season, you've gotten to know characters, you've gotten to know all the little jokes and everything and all those elements come to a head at the end of a season and things get resolved or you get a new bigger storyline that comes out of it. But I, I don't know. It just, I'm attracted to, to how thing, the long game ends up finishing up. And so for me, seeing everything mm-hmm. that had happened in the season, um, you know, come to a head and it just, to me, just, I just love that. I, I, I guess it's just because just, they tend to be so dramatic and I just, eat that up so <laughs> yeah the, these two yeah. episodes have a little bit of every element from the mm-hmm. whole first season in them and and sometimes they're just rehash you know not rehashing but just sort of you know refreshing them or or underlining them and sometimes they're advancing them but it has 
everything is is in it mm-hmm. and uh yeah so yeah you get to you you basically you'll get you get your pick of what you want to discuss because it's there's, there's some of it in this these two episodes yeah indeed it's um, a big bowl of resistance stew yeah <laughs> and what is it about resistance that you love uh, just overall i'm gonna sing it's just like i love the animation and i love like again it's just seeing star wars in the universe from a different set of eyes it's like sometimes you know the way that the scott worker saga is just kind of like just overtaking everything you know and this and while there's a couple of little elements of it here and there it's removed you get this whole other like view of this universe and you get the races and everything which are some of my favorite parts of resistance by the way i should say because i love that um and you but you also get the familiar familiar uh, familiarity of some of the alien races that you've gotten to know along the way and they pop up and there are new characters here like hype phase on and you know just all the other little characters and some of the new ones that you get introduced along the way so it's just it's fun and i have to finish it up with the fact that this also is somebody's entry point into star wars which to me is a big deal because i love that a whole new generation of people will have watched this and this is their entry point and they're gonna go and check out all the rest of it mm-hmm. you know I... that made me think of something mm-hmm. i wonder why more people my age aren't really into this this uh into resistance because maybe they just never tried it or whatever but like i just just when you were talking about all the aliens and stuff i i can never stress enough how when star wars first came out the thing that you besides just the special effects and everything blowing people away the 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 cantina scene with all the aliens people just flipped out over that they were you know just amazed mm-hmm. with the, the sheer number of different Usually you would have a monster in a movie that would look a bit this just crawling all over the place and they're every different kind. And so this uh, resistance, all premise of resistance is almost like it's set. It's just set in the cantina over water, but it's the same general idea. And you would think that would be really appealing to people my age that were that just, you know, flip their flip their lid over that it would be the per, uh, that's that's what i i love the most about this is just sort of sitting in that world yes and man. uh yeah so old folks <laughs> get in there i'm i, I imagine really, listening now they want to fight the animation aspect of it they think oh that's just for kids you know that's just the thing it's like just let it go dude just you know it. Yeah. <laughs> I I posted a, a few episodes as I was like doing like these um these outlines and stuff. I posted a few images like this is the most gorgeous show and of course like a lot of people were just like yes we love it but of course I had the people who were just like blah blah blah, it's, blah the animation stuff like that and I somebody wrote me and they're like well the the reason I couldn't get into it because the story is inconsequential to Star Wars and I kind of stopped and I thought about it and I was like so is two seasons of The Mandalorian. What has the Mandalorian done to change the canon or trajectory of Star Wars? No, it just it's had some so, like like this one's had some cameos in it or whatever. You but know, it doesn't change. Yeah, no, Star it, Wars. no, it doesn't at all. I mean, if uh, well, if you take the butterfly effect into uh, effect, help <laughs> the blue butterflies because that's been Solo and he's gonna come back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I had to represent M for a second. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I I think I really do believe that like resistance is the groundwork for all the shows now. Like I two episodes into Bad Batch. Bad Batch is to me it's very clear that it's the showrunner was a writer on resistance and that was her only Star Wars project. I don't see the Bad Batch changing the course of Star Wars. I just see the characters doing world building and doing character building things, but yeah. they're not I don't think they're gonna change the canon. No, and Resistance really just... was the the groundwork for this. Yeah, they'll just give you a. I mean, they're giving you a new angle on on stuff. You're seeing sort of that transition for, into the Empire and stuff like that. But it does it cha- it changes your perception of it a little bit because you get the feel of what it is to be, you, you know, there for the. You're seeing that time period for the first time. But yeah, mm. I, but the. I mean, there's some people. That's what. That's what grabs their imagination is the care you know their characters and the stories and stuff but that's that's the thing about watching the cartoons though is it's building its own world and and whole vocabulary of characters that affect each other within the world but actually resistance is sort of outside that too you know yeah i mean um, the lovely ladies of Sky Talkers, uh, Caitlin and Charlotte, always say the same thing, which is for the future of Star Wars, look to animation because that's laying the groundwork for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true. Um, I have to ask you one more question, Mark, because sure. poor Chris, because I have, I, I don't watch Star Trek. What <laughs> is it that you love about? Actually, my best friend is a is a Trekkie, and we yeah, were yeah. gonna do this thing where. Um, we were going to get together and she would show me a couple episodes of Trek and I would show her a couple episodes of Rebels and we would go back and forth yeah, and then COVID happened. I've been trying and trying to recruit Hope's family and her friends and because stuff. Because my mom's a Trekkie. My mom's and Turner, a Trekkie. yeah, I've just been, I know, I know that if Hope just gets a little taste of Next Generation. Well, well that's the thing. Just, What's the very first one chronologically? What was that show like? Star Trek, just Star no, Trek. The, no, 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 chronologically, the one that takes place after oh, first. Oh, Enterprise. Yeah. So yeah. my mom uh, showed me the first episode of that, and I really loved it. And I think it's because I had no context. It actually felt like an episode of Doctor Who to me. But like yeah. when I told that to Billy, my best friend, she was like, "That's the worst show." And I was like, "Well, I'm glad I started with it because I really loved it." <laughs> <laughs> no, I that, just that I, I think show. Next Generation <laughs> would just speak it's it has the most hope mullinex aspects of it like (laughs) on its sleeve yeah Yeah. but mark what is it that you love about star trek so chris for once in the show can talk star trek (laughs) with somebody i want to give you guys a few minutes before we jump into the episode (laughs) all right well i would have to say it's funny because to use one of the famous characters words it's just the logic of it and then there's the humanity of it Uh uh-huh and it's just because it caters to a different party being than Star Wars. The Star Wars is very fantasy. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's like magic in there. Whereas like, like again, going back to Trek, it's like we can relate to it more on a human level because it's about us in the future and what we can achieve. Yes. And, you know, when we run into adversity, how those things are handled. Um, and then you've got great captains leading you along the way on this journey with their crew who are growing, who are not perfect. Some of them are. And <laughs> and some of them are. And you grow with them, you know. Um for an example, just the next generation onto itself. Well, actually, we can even start with Spock. There's that quest for being more 
human, even though Spock wouldn't want to necessarily be, you know, but <laughs> he's because he's very, very logical. But just emotion wise, you know, that's just Spock's not not his thing. But just when you think about data, just this character who is trying to find his humanity, prove his 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 worth and other people along the way like there's a whole episode where like they try to prove about data and how he is it was it the measure of a man if i remember measure of man yeah measure of man yeah um and and just in general like oh he's just machine he's he's not human you know like why you know the and 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 just a lot of his value and and is part of that show and along the way i mean he has a cat named spot you know i mean um and i'm rambling sorry i'm just i'm just thinking of all all the star trek stuff all at once but to get off that that part of it i would say the other thing is just uh, all the journeys that you take with these different captains like uh and their star trek voyager i love Catherine janeway i love that you know seven and nine when she jump it uh, comes to the show um and and like again, you get these flawed characters, you know, who learn about themselves along the way. Like the it, bringing up seven and nine, she was a Borg, she becomes part of the crew, and she finds herself along the way, and she becomes a valued member of that crew. And th- those are the types of stories that you keep seeing over and over in Trek with new faces and with new um, forms of adversity, you know, as to them finding themselves. And when all is said and done. You see so much yourself in these characters. And I mean, I guess that can be set up on a lot of the things we ingest. You know, it's like that's why we uh, gravitate towards certain characters. And that's who we see Star Trek through. or That's who we see Lord of the Rings through or Star Wars through or whatever. But for me, it's been that way. I, when I was a kid, the first movie I saw was Star Trek to motion picture. Saw it in theaters. And I saw the Enterprise on the big screen. And I just fell in love with her the moment I saw that ship. I just yay, and it was like I couldn't get enough of it. Well, so that's there's, the a, there's thing. a lot of detractors of the motion picture, but I think it, I I saw that in the theater. I saw that in the theater too, and uh, yeah. you know, as a as a kid, and to tell you the truth, I was slightly I was like okay. I thought to myself, well, they were hoping to get this out before Star Wars and be yeah, a big yeah. special effects movie but star wars beat him to it and was more fast paced and stuff but <laughs> oh, but i still loved it but over the years i've grown to think of it as almost like the keystone of the star trek philosophy it's just sort of it, it's just a meditation on everything star trek and it's and it's takes its time you know it does yeah, it's yeah. not there to 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 blow you away except in a sort of 2001 so i I love that movie very very much that yes definitely has that feel with with feature and you know again it's like that that whole just humanity aspect of it too it's it's just it's interesting um you know and then we get to star trek 2 where they're not necessarily trying to copy star wars you have a lot of spaceship battles but then you get like the whole naval aspect of it you know mm-hmm. and i i love that i love the uniforms i love the way the pacing of that film the music the james horner soundtrack is amazing yep um you know yeah, and so possibly the best scripted i think star trek oh, yeah. movie of all of them yeah yeah it's 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 got everything you want in that film i mean you've yep. got a great villain you got great space battles um 
you know, and and, and packs one hell of an emotional punch by the time you get to the end. Yeah, the most dramatic scene in all of Star Trek ever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, and Kirk, you know, I mean, and, and, and like, Shatner acts his butt off during that scene when, you know. Shatner's a great actor. Yeah, and so it's just like, when you watch that, and then how it leads into three and four, because as far as I'm concerned, that's its own little trilogy right there, right? Um, it's it's really really great those those sets of films with what happens where it leads and how it ends up because it ends up on a lighter note which is great after everything they've been through and they deserve a break mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you know elements of that of those three movies end up coming back in six which is great because I love that it books and bookends it and that's the last film with all of the crew together with, so with all of them yeah 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 and um but yeah I mean over time I just I I just I've grown up with it. I've grown up with these characters and, you know, and and the friendship of Kirk and Spock to me, it means a lot. I love the, the you know, that Kirk is kind of, he's just puts it all out there and puts a lot on the line to get the, the job done and everything. But when needed, you know, you also have Spock who kind of reels him in and just shows him how, you know, to do things the right way, so to speak. Um, but you know how they play off each other is just important too. Their friendship is mm. is a huge part of that, um, and it plays out in Star Trek too. So, I have to ask because I yeah. have seen these two movies. What do you think of the J.J. Abrams ones? I think they're fun. They're great. I mean, they're not perfect. I love the first one though. The first one, and it's it's such a great way to introduce people to Trek. Because if they want to go back, they have a ton of material to go back and, and check out, right? And they may or may not like all of it, but they're going to get to see how it got to that point. And it's also considered a different, the, the Kelvin timeline. So, you know, I, some people don't care for that or anything, but I I loved it. It was a nice spin on everything that we yeah. had seen up until this time, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's its own creature. And I think that it's had a big effect on the shows that we see now, you know? Um, and how those are handled and everything. A lot, a lot of people don't care for a lot of the new material. You know, the diehards are just having a, a, a really hard time oh, yeah. with it. Um, I have, I, I know some people. I've only seen yeah. the first couple episodes of the new season of yeah. Discovery, but and and I only like sloughed off on it because I just re- I haven't had time to to watch it. I'll probably watch them over again because. Yeah. I like the second episode a lot. The first episode, the end of it, like it flat out made me cry. I was just like, they, they, <laughs> they, they're they're having, but Star Trek has growing pains because Star Trek is fit in its society and it's trying, you know, Star. I've always loved Star Trek because it's like on its sleeve, it's humanist. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it it. it you know, I mean, the next generation gets criticized a little bit like they're they're too perfected, you know, and Roddenberry wanted people to be too perfected and none, you know, no tension between them and stuff. But they're not. Uh, human, humanity is obviously not perfected, but yeah. you get to see like where what we should aspire to. And and it's definitely like in a humanist way because they always contrast it with like here's some other civilizations who've thrived too but they've done it through war and how yeah, that doesn't yeah. work out and stuff like that <laughs> so i've loved that aspect that as the overlay to the I'll whole leave the thing out of this <laughs> that, that 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 view of the future as not we're living in mad max but you know that the, the 
the optimistic view of the future that man's going to be out there in 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 better shape than we are now and yeah and we've we've sloughed off a lot of the problems of the world in order to have the world go out into the universe and that's a that's a rare message and and like the new star trek is struggling in how if they want to like convey that literally or how you know they're yeah they're trying to figure out how to say it while while and you know whereas before i think the old way of writing and stuff it was just sort of baked in and yeah. and it doesn't in the way writing is today it's harder to bake it in without it being just sort of like a character just stating something like science yeah. fuck yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and, which actually happens that happens hope oh. in, in star trek and it was scandalous but you know i mean yeah. And but the thing is, like sometimes I know Star Trek series can take a season, two seasons, three seasons to find like their footing before they like, go from being good to like outstanding. Oh my god, and, it sounds like Felony shows. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a little harder. Felony's got the Felony's got the flow down a lot better than I mean, Star it's about Trek. Three seasons of Clone Wars to really gel. I was and... gonna say. Filoni's got doesn't have as hard a job because he's dealing with not dealing with Star Trek, but then again he's dealing with Star Wars, which those are the two, those are the two most savage fandoms. For, for <laughs> they're different kinds of savage, they're different kinds of fans, but they can be savage. And yes, <laughs> like if you have to create something for for either of those 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 two franchises, you are just flying into a minefield it totally is and it's always been that it's always been that way we just have more deployable weapons these days so yes yes but, well, you know what i was going to add hope that if once you take a dive into star trek and you have like a good amount of like an idea of what the shows are about and like all it entails and so forth check out lower decks because <laughs> I that's, have been wanting to see that because I'm an animation person so, anyway. Yeah, that's exactly why that and part of the reason. But just it's one of those like you get you might have to watch jokes. a little Star Trek first if you want to really yeah, like I've only seen exactly. a few episodes of Lower Deck, but it's yeah. like it's referential. <laughs> it's basically it's basically <laughs> they're like let's do Family Guy. Well, it's not it's more it's more it has more of a story than Family Guy. Really, yeah, it's yeah. not as just a series of gags, but it's like let's do that style of just sort of referential humor but pretty much just with star trek and uh it's 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 pretty fun for star trek fans oh yeah, uh, yeah. i mean down, down to like everybody in there yeah down to like infamous like toys or products you know for from the series to like background characters to like a joke that like just randomly from like an episode i mean i was just surprised i was like oh my god i can't believe they went there that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> and there's stuff that i didn't catch and i go back and read it i go back and see it i'm like oh my god i totally didn't even see that right so people <laughs> are just having hope. fun with it someday <laughs> hope when we have time there'll be a chris makes hope watch star trek yeah, I want to do the same with Brian, by the way. I, oh. that, I am dying to have Brian sit down and watch I, some Star Trek. Brian is oh, not even going to watch oh, Space Bolt. I have a podcast idea. Star <laughs> Trek Intervention. 
you get all the people's Star Trek fans together, and then you say, "Hey, Hope, we're doing a uh, podcast about bisexual Star Wars. You want to come on?" And she goes, "Yeah, that sounds like fun." And then she comes in, and you're like, "Why are all my Star Trek fans here?" And they're like, "Hope, we love you, Hope, but you haven't watched Star Trek." That'd be actually really great, because like you two showing me and Brian Star Trek and taking us through it. And you you yeah. throw a fit oh, or you throw boy, a fit and threaten time. to leave the room and yell at all of us and then. then no, you... that'd be Brian because I actually want to watch Star Trek. I don't think he has <laughs> yeah, any. But, yeah, we got it. Yeah, but we got it. Uh, we got it's drama bad. it up. Oh, yeah, the gotta, gotta, Speaking yeah. of drama, we have a season finale to talk about. So yes, you guys yes. ready to get into it? Yes, and thank you. Sorry, I rambled so much at the beginning. I was trying That's to form my wanted. thoughts. That I, I wanted. Yeah, she I was exactly trying to form my thoughts, wanted. and I'm like, "Send your mom." Bleh, bleh, bleh. No, no, you're. Fine. You don't know how many times that like, Chris Hope is was like collecting this... that. Yeah, like you don't know how many times like Chris is like, "This is kind of like Star Trek, right, Hope?" And I'm like, "Oh, fuck, you know." Whatever. <laughs> by the way, for, sure. first. Con- First Contact rocks, by the way. That, I have seen First Contact. My mother showed me that as a child. I just don't remember much of it because I was a child. But I do uh, very yeah. distinctly remember Data in a haystack with a child. <laughs> that sounded really dirty, not like that. They were. Anyway, I'm just going to get to the episode. I like when Zephyrin Cochran says, uh, that'll do, pig. That'll do. Yes, I do too. <laughs> yes. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> me. Sorry. All right, you gentlemen ready to get into this? I'm ready. Let's do it. No Escape Part 1 and 2 is the 20th and 21st episode of Star Wars Resistance. They aired on March 10th and 17th, 2019. It was written by Brandon Allman and directed by Stuart Lee and Saul Ruiz. Some extra information for you. The hyperdrive room for the Colossus was designed to feel very much like the lower levels of Cloud City and the Carbonite Carbonite Chamber. Hux's speech, of course, is a moment seen in The Force Awakens, thus setting the series firmly in the time in relation to that film. It uses the same audio from Donald Gleason from the film. The Starkiller base Hosnian Prime sequence is a one-for-one recreation of the scene with stylized approach uh, with the stylized approach for, of Resistance's animation. And finally, art director Amy Beth Christensen said about the Colossus, from the beginning, from the beginning, oh god, I get reading is hard tonight. <laughs> reading is real hard right now. From Blame the it on the shot. It's the shot, Hope. Oh, oh yeah, the, we told our listeners we, would, we told our listeners uh, that we would update them. Well, Chris had his, and he's fine. And I've been got, running a fever for 24 hours, so I got an achy arm. I'm fresh. I just got it today, but I'm doing good. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> I'm running a fever, so let's do it. It's gonna be one of those episodes, just, guys. Feverish just, episode. Woo, bear with us. <laughs> so Amy Beth Christensen said, from the beginning, be- beginning even at the first writers' conference, it was talked about that the Colossus was actually a massive ship buried in the sea floor underwater, with the visible top being part of a small percentage of the mobile base. Although it was always the plan to have a huge ship underwater, the plan was to reveal it at the very end of the season. Even though it was planned all along, all along, the final design of this section of the Colossus wasn't completed until the final episode. The Colossus was designed to fly fly upright vertically like a B-wing or the Resistance bombers for a couple of reasons. Amy Beth Christensen explained, first it helps distinguish it from a Star Destroyer, since both of them are like Dorito shape. 
Second, because Dose's tower would still act as a bridge of the ship, it kept the characters and set upright in space. It gave a similar feel to Sky Strike Academy from Star Wars Rebels. So it sets up to distinguish the two bases. More emphasis uh, was put on... Oh, reading. Breaking up the silhouettes and the shape of the colossus and repeating the angles and panels. And, you know, it just looks very fine. <laughs> I quit. Ah. Okay, so Mark, here is... Oh. No, here's your complimentary. So, so the guest bottle. was here, right? Mom? Mom? It's not my mom. Oh, mom's oh. not here, no. But Great here's your complimentary you spray bottle. Feel free to use it liberally. <sighs> so this is our third podcaster, Yoda. He's not a baby Yoda. I'm so sorry. He is no, like. No spray Yoda. Spray him. Like like this. <laughs> <laughs> See, it just works. It's great. It makes them. Yeah. Mean. You're we're not mean. You you've humped guests before. This is not no. mean. You're like a hundred no, chihuahuas. No. <laughs> so, this is Yoda. Hello. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yoda, be nice. This is Mark. Be very Yoda, nice. it's always nice. Oh yeah. Yeah, you say that. There's a reason we've had some. Uh, reports to HR. <laughs> <laughs> they are but, very, very mean to Yoda. Yes. No. But Yoda, I have a question for you this week. Oh, oh a question for Yoda, yes. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. in these two episodes, we saw our dear team Fireball pull off some pretty crazy plans in these episodes. What was the craziest plan you have ever done? Oh, many, many. Mm. Did you find White Castle with Mace Windu? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Windu, where my car? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's the first day that came to my mind. I'm sorry, Chris. Yoda does not even know what that means. <laughs> Yoda, uh, did you go to White Castle? Yoda, Yoda, um... Oh, mm, no. Craziest plan. Hmm. Operation Bendu Fire. Hmm. Bendu fire. Bendu was very sick. Needed to take Bendu's temperature. Did you go on? Oh, only oh, Yoda. Did you go on a Bendu bender? Mm-hmm. O- only <laughs> one way to take Bendu's temperature. No. Only Yoda could do. No. <laughs> was his name Bend over during that time? <laughs> Yoda does not remember much. No. <laughs> well, hopefully Yoda did not fall in. <laughs> Yoda could count Bendu's midichlorians, yes. Many midichlorians. Many. I don't think those were midichlorians, Yoda. What? Meh. Here, let, maybe we should just, you know, take the spray bottles and just, you know, clean you off very oh. nice. You might oh. need you know, just... Moisten Yoda, yes. Moisten you. Moisten you, it's fine. Yes. Now you you run along. We have some episodes Uh-oh. to discuss, and we'll see you next week, Yoda. Okay. So Thanks Bye, for Yoda. reminding Yoda of Bendu. Nice meeting you, not mom. Mm. He loves John and Maria's mom from Kiki Bubble. Maria was like, please sit in my lap, and she was just like, yes. <laughs> if you mean by he likes her, by like unnaturally fixated on, yes, he likes her. Yeah. We love you, Maria. We miss you. We love you, John and Maria. Come back anytime. <laughs> 
All right, gentlemen. <clears throat> you guys ready to get into Act One? Yeah. Chris. Ah, geez. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when has it ever like been no? When has it ever? When have I been? I've been for like wait, 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 wait. Slow down there, hope. What do you mean Act One? You think this is like the beginning? That would be a great bit if it was just like, hey, you want to get into Act One? No. And then you hang up on me. There was the one time you said, do you want to do act three? And I said, no, because it's act two. But that was the only time I can think of. Oh, I think I had a fever then, too. Anyway, act one. Fever hope's always fun. Feel free to laugh. Laugh at these jokes. You're not. Or I guess if they're not funny, you don't have to laugh. (laughs) But my ego loves it, so it's fine. So. A little recap from last week. So most of the Colossus is underwater, right? And everyone's just like, oh god, it's underwater! Yeager has been captured by Commander Pyre, and he's all just like, haha, I captured you! The best, best villain of this entire show, Agent Tyranny, who's beautiful and she can step on me and I love her, she has Tam right now and is putting her claws into her. And Kaz has a very big Scarlet O'Hara moment, minus the racism, where he's like, we're going to save the Colossus if it's the last thing I do! <laughs> and that's where we are right now. Time to start the episode. So, we open with Pyre giving a PSA to everybody in the Colossus, and he's like, hello, people of the Colossus. Um, mostly the humans, aliens, we don't care about you. Um, I just want to let you guys know that we have taken over. Okay, thanks, bye! And best dad, Captain Doza, kicks in the door, and he's like, Hey, Goldie, I hear that you locked up my bro, Yeager. That's not cool. And Doza's like, I need you to get the hell off my station. You guys have overstepped, like, four episodes ago. And Pyre's like, <laughs> lol, you invited us to this party, Pyre. Oh my god, where did this suddenly come from? We're not leaving. You're... You're screwed, and we're going to arrest you, too. And Doza's like, mm-hmm. This is 4D. She is the best murder bot. 4D, kill mode. And 4D's like, yes, Captain Doza, I will. Time to murder. And she starts, like, turns into a transformer, and she starts taking out people. But then Pyre pulls out the most gaudy, overcompensating blaster. It has, like, three barrels on it. It's pure gold. It's ugly as fuck. But he still shoots a 40. And then I cried. Why does he have that blaster? He probably has a tiny penis. It's fine. So they arrest Doza. And up in the corner, Tora watches in fear as her father gets arrested. Meanwhile, Kaz, Miku, and the kids from Tahar are downstairs trying to figure out a plan to save some everybody. And and Kaz is like, you know, if we can just get a message to Hosnian Prime. You know Hosnian Prime? My home, Hosnian Prime? It's a very important place to me. Hosnian Prime is great. That's where my senator dad is, you know, on Hosnian Prime. And Miku's like, why are you saying that so much? And, and Kaz is like, you know, plot reasons, it's fine. And nobody believes that he's a senator's son. Meanwhile, Tyranny is all just like, Tamara, you're so gorgeous. Look at your hair. I love you so much. I'm like your new mom now. Do you like the food that you're eating? And Tam's like, yeah, this is great, but I'm still kind of sad because my dad lied to me and Kaz lied to me and this all sucks. And Tyranny's like, oh, well, here's more pain. And he, she gives him a, a data pad and has a message of Yeager just being like, I'm the resistance spy. Kaz is innocent. And Tam is just like, 
he's lying, but I'm also angry because he's once again protecting Kaz, not me, and now I'm even madder. And Tyranny's like, good, good, give in to your hatred. <laughs> he never cared about you ever. <laughs> In all of this. Tora, dear sweet Tora, love her so much. She <laughs> gets her mutant rabbit bird dog Buggles. <laughs> the cute mutant it is. And she's like, okay, Buggles, we have to remember, this is also for a young target audience. So I need you to go on a very important mission and find Kaz. And like Lucky the Pete's dog, Buggles salutes her and goes off. That's a Marvel joke for comic book fans. Anyway, if you've read Hawkeye by Matt Fraction, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lucky the Pete's dog. Um, I lost my spot. Where am I? Oh, so Kaz and his gang, they start their mission. And it's really fun because there's these stormtroopers. It's Stormtrooper Bob and Stormtrooper Steve. And one of them is Steve Bloom because he just voices all the stormtroopers. Why not? And they open a door. And there's a turtle folk. And the turtle folk's like, what's up, bitches? And they're like, oh, it's these guys. So Steve Bloom goes outside and gets knocked out. And all the other stormtroopers are like, oh, my God, Steve Bloom, no. And they go outside. And they get knocked out, too. And Niku says it's really difficult to deal with stormtroopers, even though he bludgeoned a stormtrooper multiple times a few episodes. Anyway, so they come into the control room, and I have to note, it's really great. As they come in, you can see the turtle folk just dragging off bodies in the background, and it's hilarious. And uh, apparently, the Chilidae, the shell folk, have taught Kel and Ayla how to open doors and hatches, and they can control all the areas of the ships. And they're just like, whoa, that's fucking awesome, dudes. You're like five and seven, and you're going to save the day. Great! But Kaz needs to get back up to the tower so he can free uh, all their parents and stuff. So Kaz and CB23 jump out underwater, and they're swimming to the top. But oh no! There's some scuba troopers, and the scuba troopers are like, Bro! Look at the dude! We're gonna, like, kill you and shit! Kaz is like, fuck! And he swims into an open hatch. And the scuba troopers are behind them, and Kaz is like, Niku, I need you to pressurize this before they shoot me! And then he's trapped. Bum, bum, bum. What'd you guys think of Act 1? <laughs> uh, great. I wrote down Aqua Troopers, but I like Scuba Troopers. But then, just hear me out. What if we call them Scoopers? It's a good place to to do this right here. I can say it in in a Star Trek way, and it goes, "Oh, shut up, Wesley." (laughs) (laughs) So, Mark, my dear, you are our guest. What are some of your thoughts about this opening act? Uh, It's a great way to set everything up. We're starting to get, you know, the tensions building. We're seeing things fall into place. So, and I love the underwater sequences. Those are like some of my favorite parts of these episodes. Like, I, it's so like, pretty. so well done. It's like, I always go back to those and I was like, oh, I forgot about this. I was like, this is so cool. The last, the last two episodes, we've been lamenting about how that wasn't a bigger element in this show because all the underwater stuff is just beautiful in this show. Right, because it would have been great, and obviously since we don't get the reveal, because they probably would have seen too much of the station at that point, but it would have been cool if they also would have had underwater vehicles during this whole time, and there would have been, like, underwater battles or something else going on, you know, or you get to know whatever creatures might be under the water as well, Mm -hmm. too. A little more world building, I guess, but 
still it's just yeah it's it, it's just some of my favorite sequences in, in all of, of the series and, and it's, it's beautifully done and, and the way it just looks on screen yeah and it's just one of those because i guess you know water is expensive to animate but just generally like we just don't get water sequences very much anyway like we have the gungans in episode one underwater yeah. And then we have the Water Wars episodes of Clone Wars and this. And <laughs> did we have any underwater episodes in Rebels? I don't think I don't think so. I don't think so. so. There's no. an ocean on Lothal that we never see. That made me sad. And there's also a zoo on Lothal. And I was like, Ezra never went to the damn zoo in Rebels. What the fuck? <laughs> Animal right? Man should have went to the zoo. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's always such a treat to get underwater scenes, and we sort of got one in The Mandalorian, but they were on a boat. We're on a boat, motherfucker. <laughs> we're on a boat. Um, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your thoughts of this ad, Chris? Um, one of my favorite lines in a long time on this is, uh, 4D, stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little more of the what we were talking about last episode of the of the first order uh, gaslighting Tam with truth, doing just selective selective deployment of truth to to a manipulator. Um, apparently, Kaz and Niku have learned to uh, beat stormtroopers and chuck them around Zeb style. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 a new uh, new thing. And my only uh, there's a very Disney thing that happens in this and. That's uh, somebody's pet that understands fairly complicated, for a pet, fairly complicated English sentences. <laughs> hey, pet, you go here and get this person and bring him back here. Yes, man. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's, that's just what pets do in Disney movies. Not really in Star Wars as much, unless it happens to be Chewy, you know. But Chewie's no pet. He's not a pet. He's a sentient being. Exactly, exactly. Maybe yeah. you could tell Salisha's crumb, though, or, you know. Yeah. yeah. To do it's something like, Star Wars like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Except he's except unlike Lassie, he looks like Ernest Borgnine. But but again, that's like puns <laughs> too. Oh my god! I'm never gonna unsee that now. <laughs> that's excellent. Oh my god. He's about forty to sixty percent Borgnine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, I wish they would have gotten Borgnine. I think Borgnine's still alive. <laughs> I wish they would have gotten him. To, he does. He does voiceover too. That would have been. Um... <laughs> oh man, that's great. Really that's all that's... I got though. I love the like. I remember the first time I saw that scene. I was like, "Is Buggles really gonna get a whole mission in this?" And I love how serious she is. She's just like, "Okay, Buggles, I have a really important mission for you." And yeah. I remember the, the first time I saw this, I was like. What, what, are you serious? But now I, I love it. It's just one of those, like, little resistance things. This would only work in resistance. Um, it, I don't think this would play out as well if it was any other show. Um, except for maybe with Rebels, with Ezra, like, maybe telling, like, a Lothcat to go on an important mission. Um, but even yeah, then... Yeah, that's, like, that's sort of different, though, because he was sort of, you know, tuned yeah. in, tuned yeah. in with them and could like maybe, you know, present a series of pictures or something through the force or something. This is flat out like Buggles. I'm going to tape five dollars to you. Go to the store. Get me a Kit Kat, a Diet Pepsi. <laughs> and come back. And, yeah. and whole wheat flour, not the white flour, the whole wheat flour. 
<laughs> but I love it. Like, it's such a uniquely resistance thing. And it's so cute. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Tyranny for a second. Because, my God, do I love her. This is her second episode. Um, you know, I guess second and third if you count the two-parter. But she just has such a strong impact really quickly. And it shows, like, how effective she is. And it's because... As you said, she's using the truth. You know, this is this is how fascism works. They take the truth, but they flip it on that their its head, and they only tell you what plays into your fears and your pain to recruit you. And everything that she gives to Tam is the truth. Kaz is a resistance spy. He is a New Republic pilot. He is a senator's son. Um, Yeager is working for the resistance now and stuff like that. But she also plays on Tam's pain of Yeager has been lying to you. He's your father figure. He's choosing Kaz over you, which is something that's been set up this entire season. She said yeah. it a few times in these episodes. You are choosing Kaz over me. And to, and all Yeager said was you wouldn't understand. And so that's it shows how a how effective tyranny is but also like how scare scarily easy it is for fascism both in the show and in our real world this is how it works this is how they recruit people yeah is they play yeah. on pain and yeah it's it's just so fascism, well done cults any kind of yeah any yeah. kind of thing like that they they get people at their weakest point for disenfranchised yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i was gonna say there's there's almost like a uh jada's the white witch edmund relationship between tierney and tam and how she oh, it's like a seductive way of mm -hmm. bringing her in it's really interesting because it it breaks down over time and 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 you know obviously she's making the empire look fantastic but she's also not feeding her lies she's letting her know the truth and in that truth unfortunately they've had to keep it from her for various reasons and of course it's going to feel like betrayal so it's it's hard not to understand where tam's coming from too because she's hurt you know and like i said catch them when they're very vulnerable and and tierney just plays her like a fiddle yeah it's just crazy she's so. kind of offering her a path of least, least resistance at this mm -hmm. point too mm -hmm. no pun intended yeah but uh, did we have anything else for Act 1? Um, that's all I got. Yeah, I think that's it. Cool, because now we're going to get to my two favorite characters of the show. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Act 2. So Kaz is trapped underwater, right? And CB-23 is there, and he's all like, Naked, please can't pressurize the ship because I'm about to get, like, you know, shot or whatever. And the Scooper Troopers, the Scooper Troopers. Thanks, Chris. I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> I didn't even think about saying Scoopers. The Scoopers. The Scooper Troopers. Or Scoopers. Scoopers. Scooper Trooper Doopers. They're all just like, haha, we got you. We're going to shoot you now. But Nuku, like a total noob and like a video game, just starts like button mashing, which is actually really funny because like doors and shit is going off everywhere and it's fantastic. And he gives Kaz the chance to fight back and Kaz actually fights and he holds his own underwater long enough for Nuku to find the right button and they blow the scooper troopers right out of the ocean. <laughs> Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> scooper troopers right out to the ocean while Kaz holds on to CB23 for two <laughs> <laughs> now I can't get it out of my head. Oh, uh, anyway. So, 
Kaz is alive, and they all celebrate because they're like, yay, you didn't die, and you punched a person, yay. And Kaz is like, Niku, that was amazing. You're so amazing. You're like my friend or whatever. And Niku's like, I'm your friend. I am your friend. We must play My Little Pony. My Little Pony. I'm used to wonder what friendship could be. And they're all happy because friendship is magic. During all this, though, as they're celebrating their new found friendships, apparently, Niku looks up and he's like, huh, that's a hyperdrive. That should be important to the plot later. Cool. So Kaz is trying to find out where everybody is, and he runs up, and then he stops and he sees Acquisitions, and he's like, I should go check on them, because they're everyone's favorite characters. And he <laughs> runs in, and there's everyone's favorite gay uncles, Orca and Flex. I love them. And they are in a box, because they're going to mail themselves in their sweet gourd bitey off to Flix's mother. And they have all this puffer pig bacon, and they're curled up there. And they're so sweet, because they're like, Cast honey, the first order are everywhere. We're going to make some spots in here. Here, we have a spot for you, sweetie. You can come with us. You know, we're going to make sure you're okay. We'll take care of you. But Kaz is on a mission. And he's like, no, I'm going to liberate the station and free my friends. Friendship is magic for my little pony music. And Orca and Flux are like, all right, that's cute. That's cute. Okay, well, you go do that, sweetie. We're going to survive, and we're going to go back in the box. And Flix is like, I've only come out of this box one time, and it was when I found Orca, and I fell in love with him. And it wasn't a box. It was a closet. It's fine. Um, so we, we love you, honey. Bye, love. I was wondering if you were going to get through this. <laughs> I was like, she's almost made it through. Almost made it through. Oh, there she goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, sweetie, if you change your mind, you can come live with us and your favorite gay uncles, and we'll take care of you. Goodbye. Yeah. So, during all of this, though, so, or <laughs> Kaz is like, well, bye, enjoy your box. And then he gets swipe swiped by Buggles, who this tiny mutant knocks him down. And he's, and Buggles is like, come with me. I need to take you on an adventure. And Kaz is like, what's that, Lassie? Tora's in the well? And Buggles like, is like, don't patronize me, just let's go. <laughs> and so he does, and he follows, and as he's following Buggles, Niku's like, Hey Kaz, just FYI, this ship has a hyperdrive. And they're like, wait a minute, it's not an oil platform, it's an actual flying ship. And they're like, yes, I believe I can get to fly. And Kaz is like, do it. So all this is going very well. Meanwhile, Giger is being dragged downstairs, and he sees Tam walking with Tyranny, and he screams out for his daughter, and he's like, Tam, they're lying to you. Don't listen to them. But Tam is just so hurt and so furious. And she does not want to listen to Yeager at all. And she's like, you lied to me. You didn't believe in me. They believe in me. Fuck off, old man. And Yeager's like, ah, you said the fuck word. <laughs> <laughs> and so they show Yeager in a jail cell. And there's Captain Beth Dad Doza going, well, this is going well, isn't it, Yeager? We're both in jail. So back to yeah, Lassie. I was going to say Yassie. Back to Lassie. Buggles leads Kaz, Kaz to Tora. And Tora's like, hi, I'm in the vents. And Kaz's like, vents are good. I like vents. This is great. And they're making a plan to get out their dads from jail. But oh no. There's a murder ball. The murder ball is back. And it's coming there. And he's out for blood. What you guys think of Act 2? <laughs> I like that my least amount of notes of all the acts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark, I do have a question for you. Yes, yes. Um, 
And as you know, because I've heard this, since you're our guest, and I know I've talked at link, uh, link about this topic, um, yeah. what do you think of Orca and Flix and their handling as queer representation and being the first on-screen queer couple in Star Wars as a fellow gay like myself? All right, so they're super cute together. I love Gunkel, Orca, and Flix. <laughs> they're really, really cute, but I want more. And, you know, it's like, representation the way that they placed it now it's very minimal unfortunately and i would like to see it more um as like i was gonna say as an example like they have on the orville with the characters clyden and bordis and they're a same-sex couple and it's just very natural the way it's just done you know it's like you don't even think twice about it their interaction is what makes you love them together you know, and even though we do like that from these characters, you also know that they're together, you know, and that, I think that's what's missing. It's like I, you love their chemistry. You love seeing them together. But there's that last little bit where it's just very apparent that they're a couple. And that's just a little element that I think would just make them that much more better. And it doesn't even have to, like I said, you're not sexualizing them by doing this. You're showing that these are two characters who care yeah. about each other, you know? Yeah. I mean, you do it with every older yeah. couple in a sitcom, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like it just simply is something, just a little something just to throw in there and like, oh, my God, they are together. This is so sweet. This is so cute, you know? So yeah. But they're they're I think they're they're two of the cutest characters that we've ever gotten in animation. And so I, I hope it would be cool to see them in like a little short little film in the future to see what they've gotten up to, you know. Have I like my non canon like perfect show that I would want? I wanna pitch the sitcom with them, like a total sitcom all in the family style. I I want a comedy with a with a laugh track. <laughs> there you go. Those were the gays. <laughs> I want a non-canon Orca and Flix takes you through the sequel trilogy as Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but oh with big God. gay musical numbers. Yes, give that's, me that's me. That's my dream show. My, my Orca and Flix notes are so nerdy in this one, though. One, the, there's just a move they make when they go back in the box where he has to flip the box up with one, like he has to do it with one motion and then pull it back shut. And I was thinking, man, that's just a complicated animation move that they had to think about how you would, like, really close yourself in a box. And they used it like four times in the show because it was the same way they had to close the grates down below. So I wonder if they like worked out, they worked that out for Orca and Flix and were like, yeah, this was a pain in the ass to do animation wise. Let's use this now. <laughs> and my other one is they blew a big chance in that. This is, th these are my only notes for this. Uh, besides I hate the narc droid. Um, they, they blew a big big chance for a gag in this with when they go back in the box it could have been either like two episodes later or at the end of the second episode or as like if they ever did a post-credit scene of like you know just sort of like one of them one of them getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom because you'd have to you know they've been in the box for a long time and eating bacon and and he and he comes out and, and is just sort of like half awake and like scratching his belly and 
opens the door and just sees that he's in hyperspace. <laughs> and is like, <laughs> wait, we're flying? Because uh, all they knew, they were underwater before. And all of a sudden, it's just like, wait a minute. And it's like, okay, back in the box, you know. <laughs> we're in hyperspace now. So I would, I feel the same way about Wicked Flicks is the only thing it's missing for me is the actual confirmation in show. Because we actually don't know if they're husbands or boyfriends. It's never told. Ah. Yeah. yeah. And There's it's never to that. Yeah, we actually it's never confirmed and show that they are a couple. Um the closest they get is the episode from Beneath, um, where Orca's like, Yeah, I love the guy. But you know, I had say that about like my friends, my female friends. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. love her, man. Yeah. And it's so it's not a confirmation and it's never there's no point where they are they're like, Yes, this is my boyfriend and or husband. And that's not okay. That's not representation. Um, yeah, yeah. And I feel like in this time with modern animation, because Resistance is so much in the vein of modern in- animation, it feels mm. like shows like Amphibia or Owl House. Like it, it just, it's so modern, except for in when it comes to queer stuff. It's so Star Wars is just for some reason so scared to be like go gay. And uh, I, I was just gonna say it's got the double corporate um block on it of where you know disney mm. disney's moving forward with that with the with i mean those things you mentioned are disney right they're both but, disney shows yeah, yeah. but they're but, but, but they're not star under Wars the star there's double, not like a corporate thing it, well well i mean yeah disney's a corporate uh corporate entity and lucasfilm is a corporate it, it's well a corporate franchise you know a huge franchise that has Maybe a dis, it maybe maybe not disproportionate, but like has a huge, like, foot in in society. Thus, has to like you know is is sort of bound to reflect it, and but at the same time is scared because it has such a wide audience that they know is gonna. It, once again, Star Wars like. I imagine Star Wars fans are probably like 250 times more toxic than like say your average amphibia fan, you know. So you, they're, they're just gonna get more. It's just gonna be more flack with Star Wars, so they're shy, you know. I just feel like though it's maybe because maybe it's just like you know me and Mark like we see the community like through Twitter and stuff like that. That it feels like they're just pandering to like the loudest minority though. And yeah. I, I, I shouldn't speak for you, Mark, but that's what I feel like, is that they're still kind of scared of pissing off the loudest yeah. minority. Yeah. And that, and that's just the thing. I think we were talking about that the other day on, on Pink Milk um, with how I, I we talked about, you know, queer coding, queer baiting and everything. And that's what I was looking at different videos and articles on the subject and that's what a lot of people are afraid of it's like taking that leap and like you know having people lash out or just Mm -hmm. like they're afraid of that group just like you know what they're gonna what's gonna happen after that yeah there has to be a big net underneath them and somebody ready to catch them they have to be so sure that it's like that whole having to ask for permission to just be yourself, which is something that I had a really hard time with before. And 
I, it's like now it's just like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to do whatever the hell yeah. I want is I don't need your permission. And they shouldn't have to. And I get it. It's it's there's money involved. So there's always going to be these types of risks and what happens afterwards. But when it involves people, your fans, people that put a lot of money into all of this, you know, it's like if you're alienating them, eventually you could end up losing them. And that's not necessarily good either. So, no. yeah, it's like shit or it's, get off the pot. <laughs> it's got such a weird dynamic to it because there's one element of it that I call the John Waters effect, where <laughs> where awesome. John Waters, like, is in any time period of his movies mm-hmm. his approach to his subject was always you know he usually has outrageous subjects yes but they're always you know not just happy with who they are but like comfortable in their own skins and presented as just like you know obviously he has character you know he has like over it's over over the top awfulness and stuff but like in, in when it, when even in the in the context of the awful characters, he presents them as a family or so you know or something yes. like that, and it has this yeah. wholesomeness to it, where yes. it's just like here here here's this, and Orca and Flicks are sort of a, it presented in that way of like, it it's you know just about anybody watching the show is gonna figure out what the even even if you like some eighty nine year old lady who's very conservative or something has seen that dynamic in her life, probably you know among somebody whether she, you know she knew that they were you know a couple or or whatever or they knew they were a couple, but they just ran the antique shop together or whatever exactly but, but yeah. like so people figure it out and it's just sort of and and it sort of takes on a sheen of being kind of progressive because it's like, oh, we're just we're not calling attention to it and we're not, you know, it's just there and everybody accepts it as part of life. And that's that's good in one way, but it also like sort of it, it's um, yeah. I, it, so it, it, that, I that's sort of the way you would approach it in a world that was maybe further forward than we are now. We're moving yeah, forward, but I, we're I not wanna, there I, yet. I, I want to like throw out uh, two two things right past. For one, um, if you want to hear me and Chris talk about this more at length, uh, we talked about this for thirty minutes on our episode it's, "The Love God" over at uh, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Our, our yeah, podcast. yeah, that's right. On a totally different podcast. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about like the difference between like Owl House and Ducktales versus like Marvel versus Star Wars. So we we did talk about this at length in another episode. Um, but the other thing is is I do feel like this is a step forward because. Look at Cal Zeb. Callus and Zeb were was queer baiting. And I say that because you when you have Steve Bloom, and God, I love Steve Bloom. He's the nicest person. I met him. He's super nice. And he loved those characters. He That's wanted awesome. them together. But when you have yeah. Steve Bloom sitting on a stage going, yeah, they get a happy ending together, they're boyfriends, and they go off to a happy ending. And then they're not confirmed in show. That is queer baiting. Plain yeah. and simple. And yeah. it felt like Callus and Zeb was kind of a step that they like kind of wanted to do it, but they weren't okay. So this feels like a much better step in the right direction where you have the producers confirm that they're a couple, but they're not confirmed in show. They're confirmed in a news article between seasons. Yeah. And so now I'm just like, okay, what's next? Like, is I is Wrecker going to come out as like a big pansexual bear in a bad batch? Like, we're still moving forward <laughs> on this. And I will, I'm that happy that we are... <laughs> Oh, no, Wrecker is a pansexual bear. He loves everybody. He's a ladies' man. <laughs> I'm going to blow things up. Yes. Inclu- including your love 
grinds. I don't know. <laughs> That's how romance he, works. Well, how did you get that nickname, Wrecker? <laughs> did I just say love grinds? <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought you said. I did say love grinds. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm not losing my mind. No. 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 Never thank you. I came I've... from the the asexual one in the room who hasn't had sex in a decade. It's fine. <laughs> so, you know, yes, be, love that's a punk rock band right there. The love grinds. Before we move on, I was <laughs> going to say those words just grind together. Hope. Hey, we love, love grinds. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down. What were you going to say, Mark? Oh, I was just going to say, before we move on, I was just going to say, Chris, thank you for bringing up John Waters, because actually we just covered polyester with a group of friends over the weekend. Um, uh, Surviving Chick Flicks is the podcast. And, and we, we it was so much fun because I hadn't seen polyester in forever. And just so you wow. bring that up, it just it just the whole family aspect of it and everything. It's just like it's so fresh and new in my mind. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> just for you. And since and now that now you have to listen to this show, I am going to dig out of the the archives, the John Waters True True Freaks promo that he made for us because I had a friend who interviewed when he did his last book but when he hitchhiked across the country she did yeah, an yeah. interview with him and he he said and for some reason she wasn't interested in his book so she had him sign it to me because she knew I liked John Waters and then she asked him if he would do a a promo for a friend's podcast and he gleefully did it and he said Hi this is John Waters and you're listening to Two True Freaks Keep on listening, or I'll have you killed. <laughs> it was one of the happiest days of my life when that showed up in my inbox, and I just played the MP3 and didn't know what it was, and was just like, <gasps> "Oh my god, it's so cool!" Podcast, and he's going to murder people over it. <laughs> so uh, I was gonna say also, hope going off of what you were saying, that I think if if we simply within like the context of an episode say if one of them was in mortal danger and and we kind of got that i guess you can say in, in one of the episodes but just as simple as having him say like you know i don't know what i would do without him he goes and we're like oh and he goes you know like you said you know i love him and he goes he's my partner and you can read that however you want but putting a little more of that out there would be enough for like people be like oh my god yeah. you know he, I... he he, did, he may be a character who doesn't like saying a lot of that, but the fact that he says that about this one character he's always paired with would mean a lot. So. I I uh, wrote about this over on Geek Girl Experience. I wrote a, an article about um, were they good representation, and in the episode From Beneath, which I'm going to go ahead and say, even though it's several weeks out, we're going to be talking with mine and Mark's friend, Mark Marquis, with that episode. Woo-hoo! He's the guest for that episode. Um they would fix it with a single line of dialogue, which is when Flix is standing up to his cousins, the cousins just go, because they say something along the lines of, like, I see why Flix likes him. All he had to say was, I see why Flix married him. That's all yeah, I yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, you see, I think that a lot of the problems that people have with, like, oh, this is all woke and stuff is just they don't understand that they have problems with maybe bad writing or awkward writing. Because yeah. you can do stuff like that with with uh, I was thinking, you know, you could have a character, uh, two characters that are having a rela- relationship problems and just have somebody sit down next to flat uh, flickers, flicks or orca and or both of them at the bar and be like, 
how do you guys do it? You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't, the, I it's can't just like, figure it's it out. Matter how do of you fact, guys right? Boom, if it's, it's matter of fact, it's like you, yeah. you eliminate this whole, oh, I'm getting this shoved down my throat. And it's like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. no, it's it just, just simply is a normal yeah. conversation that would happen yep. in any yeah. context of any show. You know, it's, I, it's easy to do. That's you, the thing. You even it's have easy. a line from like Anne Z, just like because there's a couple of points in act in season two where like Orca and Flix are in the bar together. And like, um, I think it's actually the first episode of season two I, where the gravity is all wonky and like Orca is like flying through the air. You could have a line from me and see of just going, by the way, I cut your husband off last week. Here's your tab. Yeah, <laughs> it's something you know, is so easy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so maddening that, like, this could be some of the best written, like, queer representation. And it's just missing that, like, that last, like, confirmation line of dialogue. And because it doesn't have that confirmation line of dialogue, it's not good. And that's so yeah. maddening to me. Yeah, and it's and it's a shame that we don't live in a world where they if they put that in there, there wouldn't be like the next day eighty four clickbait articles about it to mm-hmm. to get it riled up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those uh assholes are like, here's my two hour monetization video about how this is ruining everything. Mm-hmm. We're we're love groins. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we should probably move on. <laughs> uh, did anybody else have anything else for Act 2? No, I can't wait to put this episode up and there will be love groins. <laughs> um, I just had to say, though, I just love this line. Did you hear Cass call me buddy? That is a term of endearment in many cultures. I love him, too. I love him so much. He's the best boy. <laughs> he's just so happy i love him he is the purest boy oh man all right so act three let's all break our own hearts it's fine <clears throat> act three so there's Narkball, murder boy <laughs> thanks chris um and he's no setting thanks uh he is setting off an alarm he's just like hey 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 they're here hey 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 and kaz and tora are just like oh fuck Get him, CB23. It's a CB23. Yes, yeah. uh, comes out with her claws showing. She's the sassiest droid, and she sees Murder Ball, and she's all like, "Hell no! I smacked you down last episode, bitch. You should have stayed down. <laughs> you have to show you." Okay. So she gets out there and she kicks the shit out of him, mm-hmm. and he doesn't stand no chance. And she's like, "You see this? I'm now a garbage person because you're going down the fucking trash chute, bitch." And she throws him <laughs> down the trash chute because CB23 is destroyed. <laughs> Meanwhile, and this is very important, and it, it, you wouldn't know this was important until you get to season two. Tyranny is just walking Tam through the hallways, and it's fine. But who do we see in the background of the hallways? We see that little fucking shit, that bitch Rucklin. That bitch is signing up for Nazi space camp. He's being led away totally. by, I hate him. There's yeah. a reason his nickname is that bitch. Um, right. I got Aryan pictures of Aryan storm in the boy. space capital. <laughs> What'd you say, Mark? He's a little Aryan poster boy. <laughs> He's Aryan poster boy, oh my god. God. And that bitch, we also call him Fucklin because it works. <laughs> so that so bitch Fucklin that is bitch signing Fucklin. up for a Nazi space camp, and he's all like the alt-right little shit that he is, and he's been heading that way after this entire season, but this is only important to note because he's a really big part of season two, so that's why I'm mm-hmm. noting it here. Fuck that guy and fuck that space Nazi. Anyway, <laughs> as they're walking around, Tyranny's like... 
Tam. You're so wonderful and lovely, and I love your hair. And I'm the nice one, remember? I hear you want to be a pilot. It's your dream. So you know what? Here's your pamphlet if you want to come join the First Order and worship our Lord and Savior Snoke, and we can help you be a pilot and give you everything you ever wanted. And Tam's like, ah! <laughs> anyway, so Kaz and Tora are trying to get to their dads, right? And they find a trooper, and they stun him. And, you know, it's really great, because Kaz has always been, like, wishy-washer on blasters, and he actually stuns a guy. And and Tor's like, that was somewhat okay. So they also throw a stormtrooper down a trash chute. And because things are about to get serious, Tora's like, okay, Buggles, you have to go home now. Your lassie stuff is over. Thank you for being here for the children viewers of this show. And Buggles is a sad mutant goes away okay jokes aside Kaz and Tora go into a big open area with a bunch of boxes and it's quiet and Kaz says I love quiet maybe luck is finally on our side which breaks my heart in about two minutes so they enter this open area and they see a bunch of stormtroopers watching a hologram and they're like this is our chance to sneak by and as they're walking by we hear Hux because here we are in the Force Awakened timeline, and Kaz and Tora stop, and they watch the speech, and they see Starkiller Base, and Kaz, in horror, watches his home get destroyed before his very eyes. What did you think of Act 3? Pretty much all my notes are about that scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured. Um, <laughs> I only have... The, my only note is about that scene, and I have to say, well, then- this... Oh, go ahead, This scene in portrayed in, in, in Resistance is, like, way more effective than when it's in The Force Awakens. But it, it like, it just, it, for what, the way it illustrates it, Huck seems even more, like, for once, you know, threatening. And having, having the reaction of Kaz attached to it, gives it meaning that it didn't have in the movie you know in the movie it was just like oh look at those planet explode and this one when you see the planets explode it looks kind of cool but it's just like oh because you're you're watching it through the eyes of someone from one of the planets so it's and and you know you see it build up to to hosnian prime and yeah it's it's better than the movie what are your thoughts on on this scene mark no, I totally agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I was like, I feel bad saying that about The Force Awakens, but it's just the emotional impact and it hits harder. It's like now you've got someone attached to this planet that you see get destroyed. And like you were saying, it also looks really cool in the animation here. I mean, just the fact that this show connects to the movie at that part that we know very well also adds more to that punch mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it's just it's 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 a great scene even though it's heartbreaking but it's done so well and it and it and unfortunately it needs to happen because mm-hmm. it's what's gonna drive kaz here this is when he knows he's got to step up and he's already doing good he's been charlie chaplin his way through his whole thing you know and, and doing his <laughs> best everything <laughs> but, that's a good way of putting his wrong. body language really yeah that really sums up his body language it does and, and but he's, he's he's showing that what he's capable of and it's now it's like okay it's no fucking around these yep. 
folks mean business and we got to do something. We were talking like really early in the show how Kaz in the first few episodes almost saw the resistance like this cool social club to join. He was like, oh, you're Poe Dameron and Leia Organa and you guys are like mm-hmm. cool people. But like so in the, in the early first half of the season, it was kind of like I'm a resistance spy and I'm cool. But he never really quite he, he's slowly over the course of the season, like started kind of understanding it more. Like he met Kel and Ayla and they lost their home. And he was like, oh shit, like that's a bad thing. And we see yeah. these destroyed worlds and now it hits home. He knows and, why. Yeah. And it's, I, I agree. Like this is so much more impactful because Kaz is a good person. We love Kaz. I think, and this is, I'm going to, it's going to sound like I'm slandering a new hope, but I promise I'm not. <laughs> You know, when you watch A New Hope for the first time, you only have so you only have so much time Sorry. with Leia. No, you're fine. Um, I have an open window and I live next to an airport, so every once in a while you'll just hear. <laughs> like, I'm, I live two miles away from an airport. It's fine. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but like when you watch A New Hope for the first time, you only know Leia for like maybe a few minutes before you watch. You know, she's still there to anchor Alderaan being destroyed because it's her home too. But with Kaz, we've had an entire season with him. You know, we have all this time. We like him. He's a good character. We know what this means and how it will hurt him. And I like that we can also imply it back to Leia. You know, we didn't get to see her immediately afterwards. We didn't get to see her in her gel cell, sitting alone, knowing she just lost her parents, her planet, her friends. And I feel like when we see Kaz in these moments, in the the immediate aftermath, that's probably what Leia went through, where she has this shock, this pain, and then this resolve of, this is why I'm going to fight more. I'm going to punch them fucking harder the second time. And I I like that we can push that back and kind of put those two together because we didn't get that in A New Hope. And I just, I love the writing of the scene. And I also just have to note Michael Tavera's score. I know Kevin Kiner gets all the love, but Michael Tavera's score of this entire show is fun and it's jaunty and it's bouncy and it's like whimsical. And he has this really whimsical score for the entire season. And then you get to this score and it's so quiet and it's powerful. He uses a lot of pauses and silences before he kind of hits those moments. And it's it's so different from the rest of the show. And it really is such a good moment of, of to like using the music to help sell this. And it's great. I love it. I'm rambling now. It's fine. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Um, and I just, I'm just thinking to myself, damn it, I want the soundtrack to this. Soundtrack so bad. Like I haven't looked yet, but I know that Disney's probably put out the soundtrack to the Bad Batch already, I and think like they have, it, that. that'll be hanging around, which will be awesome. But uh-huh. yeah, where is Resistance? It's the, the and the soundtrack does definitely stand out in this episode because there's so many different textures to going on. I, I just remember seeing the trailer for the second half of the season for the first time, too, and that moment of just knowing, like, and when the trailer is just like, it's fun, and like, heck, hey, funny faces, and blah, 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 and then you hear Hux's voice, and the trailer goes dark, and it, like, brings it up, and you see Kaz watching Hux, and you're like, I know what's happening! And Star know. Wars pops in and goes, don't forget, there's always genocide. Uh, uh, yeah, so... That bitch Brooklyn in the fucking space, not the camp. <laughs> <laughs> Little space, him. Richard Spencer. 
I I feel I felt so bad because I went to, we went to the drugstore the other day and 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 my housemate was checking out and the guy checking her out had the R- Richard Spencer haircut you know with the shave and then the little little Hitler swipe in the front and I was just looking at him and I'm like I want to say something I want to be like dude your hair's your hair dude's making me suspicious. <laughs> and I was like, I better get out of here. Oh. I felt really bad afterwards. Yeah, but never feel bad about wanting to punch Richard Spencer. That's fine. There's no, 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 yeah, no. no it was the no, best that ever fine. happened to him. <laughs> um, did you guys have anything else for Act 3? I, I thought this would probably be, be the biggest moment. That's, but. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, what do you say about that, that we that we didn't... I mean, there isn't too many ways to put it. it yeah. was, you yeah. know, that... I that, do want to say Christopher Sean acts the hell out of the scene. <sighs> yeah. I would hope so. I would hope you would put... so. It, yes, and it's very effective. I mean, they do... They they play it out in that awesome way of, you know, when something's awful's happening and you sort of are beside yourself and outside of reality. And, you know, he's looking at Hosnia Prime. He knows he's looking at, he sees it blown up and he has to go like, what planet was, you know, what planet did we just see, you know, to just to square it with his, with his mind, you know? It's it's awful, <laughs> but it's very very well done. What were you gonna say, Mark? Oh no, I just uh, that's I mean that you guys covered it really well. I mean I, I love 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 this part of it. it. It's it's it hurts to see, but I mean yeah we we pretty much covered like all the the big points because while it is a pretty big part of everything that we see, it's like just one big chunk about every about everything that's about to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really love Christopher Sean in the scene because so much of Cats throughout the show is him just being like, wow, and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's so just he you can already hear how haunted he sounds when Kaz asks CP23 what planet that is because he already knows. And it's Christopher Sean did so well in the scene. Everybody did. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't put in my my notes, but uh Myrna, uh, Myrna Velasco in the next scene with Tora is so good where she's like, we have to go, Kaz. I'm so sorry. Like she, the entire cast brought in this episode, but they, they were all so good. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, well, ready to get back into it? Yeah. Chris, you good? I'm ready. All right. <clears throat> Act four, a.k.a. the beginning of episode two. So Kaz has just watched his home planet get destroyed by Starkiller Base, and he understandably goes into shock. And Toradoza, way more mature, beyond her very young years, sits down and she's like, Kaz, I'm so sorry. I know this is difficult, but we have to get going. This is our only chance. And he's like, you're right. So she picks him up while he's still in shock and leads him out of there because he needs her to lead for those few minutes. And they get to the brig, and they find Doza and Yeager, and they free their dads, and Kaz tells Yeager what happened to Hosnian Prime, and Yeager, an ex-rebel pilot, and Doza, an ex-imperial, knows exactly what that means in that moment. 
but they have to work together to get rid of the First Order. So, we have two teams. We have Kaz's team up there with Avriyama, and then Nico's team down in engineering, and the plan starts to come together. So, they want to get the Colossus in the air, but they took on all this water last episode, because now they're, you know, whatever, because they had to submerge the station. And Niku, always the dark horse character for murder, comes up with a plan to lure the First Order into hallways and flush them out to sea, to their deaths. Good. Fuck those space Nazis. And it's time to enact Niku's Nazi death plan. That doesn't sound right in that context. Please don't take that out of context. <laughs> Kaz team breaks up, and they lure First Order troopers into the hallways, and they're all just like, hey, you, assholes! And, Storm- and Stormtrooper Steve is like, oh, that's so mean, that hurt my feelings. And they're like, we don't care! You fucking Nazi, come get us! And they lure them into the hallways, and then Niku floods the hallways while Kaz runs for their lives! And then they shut the door to safety, and they throw them out to the ocean. And this is the kind of plan that the Ghost Crew or Anakin Skywalker would be like, yeah, we're down for this. You know who is also really down for this? The sharks. The little space sharks of Castellan are just like, oh my god, free buffets! Yes! <laughs> and they start swarming, and it's great. So, they do this for like half of this act and they just sit here and like flush out space nazis but then during all this nika gets an incoming transmission from the best person aunt z meanwhile up in dosa tower commander pyra is like how is this happening what is this and tyranny is like boy your face of bitches are like failing and stuff and you're losing control of this damn station you better get your shit together and pyra's like look tyranny we will hate fuck later I have some serious shit going on right now. You need to keep it in your pants. And I made this joke for the lovely Maya Kazkaz on Twitter, who is a huge Tyranny Empire shipper. You're welcome. I love you. I hope this made you laugh, because I know how much you love them hate-fucking. Pyre is not up to her level. I'm sorry. He's (laughs) too much of a doof. (laughs) He is. Tyranny is way too fabulous. Um, And during all this, Tam is just awkwardly standing there watching their ship fall apart. I don't know why she still goes with them. But they decide to call in reinforcements to threaten, you know, to destroy her home and everyone she loves. And now there are, re- are reinforcements coming. Bum, bum, bum. What'd you guys think of that? What are we on for? Your bum, bum, bums are getting less dramatic as we go along. Hope well, this one, does kinda, this one kind of ends on a fizzle because it's just like, they're like, ah, oh, what is happening? Commercial break. And I was like, this yeah, is yeah. a stupid. <laughs> we're in we're in we're in a sort of hazy zone you know so. yeah 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 so um mark you're our lovely guest do you have yes. any thoughts about act four or um, the plan no. of flushing out space now <laughs> that, that's fun that's fun I, I love it and i had forgotten that they get eaten by the sharks i was all mm-hmm. I was like oh my god that's the one like, like <laughs> the sharks like roaming around with a helmet it's funny it's so good i actually <laughs> thought to myself where did these sharks come from because like they weren't coming after Kaz and stuff, but then my old living living next to a lake kicked in. It's like, oh, they have white outfits on. They stand out like a sore thumb. They're just like bait. They're they're you know like sharks always have like kind of just hazy eyes as it is, but a stormtrooper is just like stands right out in the water. So yum yum yum. They took <laughs> extra sadistic glee with the stor- flush of the stormtroopers. They showed way more stormtroopers just like 
slowly spinning into the depths and probably to get crushed by water pressure than than you really would have in your average kid show and i and i'm 100 percent here for it what were you saying about the sharks mark no i just i i was taken aback by it because I, I had completely forgotten about the whole thing and i was just like oh my god i was like i, for, I forgot and you know it's a, it's a, it's supposed to be a kid's show you're like you didn't expect that you know so i just it's just been a while since i'd watched the episode and yeah i, I laughed i laughed <laughs> <laughs> even a crunch there was even a crunch <laughs> I know, exactly so that was great i mean the whole plan with them flushing them out is so much fun right um so I love the way it just all plays out. And then I love that we get a little more of that emotional punch from the because you're saying they didn't play back to back. Right. So yeah. the fact that it's cool the way this starts off, because, again, like I was talking about earlier, there's so much about resistance that reminds me of the structures of a soap opera and the way when you do the cutaways to commercial and you come back and you get a little more meat of that particular scene that you've seen. Right. And they did that with this in that at the beginning of the show and you see the way Kaz takes the whole moment and you get a little more information, right? Mm-hmm. So it reminds you of what has just happened and what Kaz has to carry with him going forward. Yeah, I actually forgot that these didn't air back to back until I was doing the background information and I was like, oh yeah. And then the anger came back because I remember when the second episode came out, I had actually felt like a little bit on a downer note because I was like the emotional, you know, you had so much energy coming out of the part one. Mm -hmm. Um, You have that emotional high. And then we had to wait seven days to like come back and they have to almost start at that emotional high again. And it just didn't have that impact for me. So I, I actually prefer watching these back to back so you can just go from one emotional high right into it and then continue on. I I just think it works so much better. So that was always kind of weird to me. Um, I do want to note one thing about that scene, and it's something that goes into early season two, because um, she she really does this a lot. Um, Tora is so mature, well beyond being 16 years old in this moment. And the first few episodes of season two, like Kaz is almost manic because, you know, he just lo- he loses Tam, he loses his home, he thinks his parents are dead, and he's just throwing himself into anything he can do, and he's snapping at Tora, and he snaps at Niku, and he's constant, like, you know, he's manic, and Tora just shows so much maturity in this episode, in the first few episodes of season two, because she, for one, just under, like, she can't even comprehend what he's going through, but she's there to be that emotional anchor for Kaz. And, you know, they've done such a good job making her this, like, fun-loving teenager all season, but now we see this other side of her where she's, like, when shit gets real, she can be in that moment to be the leader because he can't lead right now. He's a mess. And an understandable mess. And she's the one that picks him up and goes, I will leave the next few minutes for you because you can't be in this place right now. And it's 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 so impressive to see the 16 year old girl do this in the scene. And I I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, they they had a little bit of that in Rebels, too, you know, when um, when Kanan died. Yeah. Yeah. When Hera was down, the kids stepped up in those scenes. Yep. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But. So Tora, Tora is just she's truly a doza though. It's just you know yeah that's <laughs> that the upbringing just shines through when when something like this happens she knows what's at stake when these get taken care of despite how much her friend must be hurting they have 
they have a plan they have to carry out they have to save people and this has now become a much huger you know this it's probably become super huge it's become universal because it's like okay if we don't do something about this soon and what's happening in this galaxy we're all gonna end up like this too so and there's there's the pure teenager aspect of it of like it's usually boring here and now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> now i get to be not boring and i'm i'm ready to ready to do it i've been primed for it <laughs> i i love how you said that she truly is a doza because of course in season two we meet her mother and yes. you can see the best of both <laughs> i love vanessa i love her so much she's the best um she really is the best of her parents she has that rebel fighter spirit of her mother and she has this like this firm anchor leadership qualities of her father mm-hmm. and she really <laughs> is the best of both of them and yeah. i i love torah and i one of my favorite parts of season two is really seeing her come into her own yeah um but i i didn't have anything else other than you know we're eating sharks <laughs> the only other thing is i thought i thought the scene with uh kaz and niku that was sort of a take on who's on first with the now not now yes, yes. Oh, funny. thank you i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> that's my only perfect. other note perfect <laughs> i have to point out that just the little animation uh things of like whenever the doors close and it cuts off some of the water like if like there are times where you can just see beads just just beads of water going down the door mm-hmm. um it's so pretty <laughs> it's, a nice, it's a nice little touch mm-hmm. you know it, yeah. oh it's so great it's i so totally great. noticed that this last time watching it that's funny mm-hmm. you should point that out <laughs> yeah i just i find so much of like I, I will just pause scenes just because i have to stop and write notes and stuff like that i'll just pause scenes and then i'll just look at the screenshot and be just like look at everything that's happening yeah. in the scenes yeah. oh my god <laughs> oh my so, god <laughs> act five act five <clears throat> whipping through we are, well you know like the second episode like the first episode has all the emotional wake and the second episode is all the pew pews just, just so. uh, yeah for yeah. momentum yeah yeah so it's just a lot of pew pews so anyway act five Pyre and Tyranny leave the office with Tam, and there's Yeager and Dozer, and they're sneaking in. And Yeager is like, oh my god, they're taking Tam away, what am I gonna do? And Dozer's like, oh, so now you care about Tam? What? What? Now you care? Okay. Anyway, but since I'm a good dad, and you're a, you know, questionable dad, you go save your daughter, and I will handle shit here in the tower. And Yeager's like, cool. And he calls Kaz, and they have to head to the tower to stop Tam. So, the First Order shuttle is coming down to the tower, and Tapire and Tyranny are, like, coming out with Tam, and Tam looks so unsure and scared because her world's changing and she doesn't like it, and Kaz kicks open the door on top of the tower, and Yeager kicks open the door from the below of the tower, and they're both like, Tam, no! What are you doing? And you know what? She's furious! She's so disillusioned and so lost in this moment, and, and I love the, a lot of the videos under my notes. I love a lot of the animation in the scene. When she walks out, she looks just scared, and, I, and it's so well done. Anyway, yeah. she especially tears into Giger, because she's like, you're my dad. I trusted you. You're supposed to guide me, and you chose him over me, and I've given my life to you. And can I just say, Susie McGrath acts her ass off in this scene. The entire cast is so good. And so everyone's in a standoff because they're just all like, uh, we don't know what to do. You know, we all have guns and no one's moving and everything's frozen on Tam. So Kaz calls Niku to start their secret weapon because now they've 
flushed out the shark buffet, and the Colossus turns on and starts lifting out of the water, and my god, is it beautiful! And so, and the, the music's also awesome in the scene as well. It's very triumphant and great. So the Pew Pews break out, and CB23, being awesome, throws four dudes off the tower, and it's raining men! Hallelujah, it's raining men! <laughs> Have you ever heard that joke where it's like, um, it's raining men, and then bodies by, I think it's Sounding Pool, um, are the same song, but from wildly different perspectives. Oh, God. Have you ever heard that joke? No, no, no. I gotta, I, I have to take a dive into that. Because <laughs> it's, uh, because you have, it's raining men. Yeah. But the, the, the drowning pool song is, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies, let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, Yes. And they both involve a club, so to speak. So. <laughs> oh. Safe song, wildly different perspective. Anyway, exactly. fighting breaks out. Pew pew is everywhere. Everyone is pew pewing on each other, and everyone's like, "Ew, you got your pew pews on me. Oh, gross." And the first short, the first shorters, the first order shuttle arrives, and I wrote Pyra, Pyra, and Tyranny <laughs> jumps on it, and Tyranny holds out her hand she's like tamra come with me and tam and yeager's like no tam i love you you're my daughter please don't go and tam pause for dramatic effect takes tyranny's hand and goes with the first order and everyone watches in horror horror and kaz is like tam no and yeager's like tam no and Tora's like you my friend for like one episode no ah! and everyone's like oh no and yeager tries to hide his pain and he goes to Tora, and he's like Tora, go to your ship because i'm gonna cry and i'm a grown man and i don't want you to see me cry please go so during all this captain best dad goes and goes down to the gel cells and he's like hey aces and they're like hey dad and he's like you're really underused this entire season and they're like we know and does is like it's time to get your money's worth get to your ships and he frees the aces and everyone gets to their ships and Cass and eager get to the fireball on his racers and the doors open to get ready and there are two tie fighters waiting for them bum, bum, bum. there's the energy <laughs> I mean, immediate death is much more than, oh, look, I guess they're taking Tam out of an office building. Anyway, Mark, what did you think of Act 5? <laughs> um, so, with Tam leaving, like I said, it's just, it's hard not to understand where she's coming from, and she's hurt, you know? So it's like, and here's somebody who can offer her a different, like, path and at this point in her life this is what she needs right because she feels betrayed and you know the folks that she wished she should have been able to count on she feels she no longer can do that and so it's like well i don't need to be here anymore and, and i think it's also she comes from it from a place where she knows that she will hurt these people by doing this and it even if it means putting herself in harm's way because who knows what's up ahead it's like what exactly is on the other end of this, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, it, it's, it's scary. Cause you think of it, you look at it through that, that person's eyes are all like, okay, I'm going to take this sleep. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> That's the way I see it anyway. And yeah. You can, you can see job. it in her face. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. You can see it in her face. There's a little foreshadowing. She's starting to, uh, have a, like, Maybe she's not have regrets, but she's, you know, when she looks up at the ship coming, it looks evil. And you've got you've got um, 
um, Tyranny doing her Darth Vader, you know, I mean, it just looks evil, <laughs> big, imposing evil. But it's sort of like at the same time, she's been offered like sort of a higher purpose mm-hmm. and direction. And it would be and it would be if if she didn't want to go, she's just going to have to jump down there and they're going to start shooting at her. And it would be a whole thing. She's you know, it's it's just an excellently you know done sequence and i know like for me watching it as an adult dramatically i know she's going but like a little kid like if i was watching this as a kid i would be i would be just i would be like oh she's not gonna go and then just yeah. be crushed by it so i mean just well I, done. I was shocked the first time i watched this because um i mean this is this is a trend in recent animation to take these narratives and kind of flip them on their head but if this was following like a stereo uh, before like 2019 following a stereotypical yep. script of a animated show she would have stayed at the and, last minute yeah yeah she would have stayed at the last minute and would have fought her way back and like rejoined her crew and this is just really like re- resistance fits in so well in the trend of current animation like we i know i've re- referenced like amphibia before but like the Tam leaving with the First Order is very much Sasha betraying um, Anne in Amphibia. This is very much uh, Luz in Owl House destroying her way home in season one. This is very much um, a lot of like notes and Shira does this as well. And I love this trend in animation that they're starting to kind of break away these like older trends of older animation and actually doing what's best for the story to give it the most drama while telling the best story. And I'm here for this trend, and I'm enjoying that Star Wars is getting in on this. And that's what makes this so good, because I remember watching this for the first time and going, oh my god, no, Tam, no! Like, I was training with Taz. I did, I, as emotionally as a character, I didn't want to, her to go, but I remember the first time I was hoping she went, because I was hoping, well, A... They sort of, they sort of, I sort of wanted them to play out the whole, you know, um, seduction of the, you know, into the first order thing. It, it, it play, if she's going to go in and, the, and another part of me wanted at this point, actually in the narrative of the new star Wars movies, I wanted to know more about the first order yeah. because it was just not really, you know, it was just portrayed in little, little bits here and there. So like that was a, always a part I thought with the Force Awakens that was like underrepresented. So I was hoping that we would have that we what would happen what actually happened happened was that we would have a character on the inside who was who had the in, insider perspective of what it was like what was going on in the First Order. So I was I was sort of hoping for that because I wanted to I wanted to, to spy on the First Order. Yeah, Mark, what Did you say me? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I sorry. Thought, I, I thought you were gonna say something. Yeah. <laughs> oh off. no, no, no. I, that that's actually that's a cool point to bring up, though. It's like if that's our eyes into how the uh, first order runs things, it's kind of cool, right? Because I, I I love that. Like it was that one episode of The Mandalorian where we got to see what it was like for the Empire to have a victory on their side, and I was all for it. I was like, yeah. this is great. This is so cool to see the you know how the other side lives. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and I'm gonna go back to CB23 because you know that. The best little ball droid. I love BB-8. I love her. I fucking love her. <laughs> I love 
because oh. so much more than BB-8 because she has so much more person. Like BB-8 is mm-hmm. kind of just like this, like kind of like a little, you know, he's uh, normal. But she has sass and personality. She'll yes. talk to people. She would just be like, okay, let me just finish my nails right fast, and then I'm gonna kick your ass. Like yes. I love her. Exactly. It's like it's like a little sprinkle of R2 and a lot of sprinkle of Chopper because they have no qualms about throwing a droid out a hatch yep. or something. <laughs> so. Yeah. She's not quite chopper murder droid level, yeah. but she's she's up there. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll do it while she talks down to you. She'll be like, all right, I'm going to throw you four off this. Oh, no. Oh, no. Torifo. I guess I should get her. Okay. I save the day again. Train them in. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> so can we talk about the Colossus reveal and it just raising yes. out of the water and the music? Yes. And uh, you, you start, because I know you have a, a note here, Mark. You start. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, it's just it's gorgeous seeing the whole ship come out of the water. I mean, it's... I want to see it in a movie. I just think it yeah. just deserves it. It's such a, a gorgeous design. And it's just, it's different in that sense, you know, the way it's built. And and again, I just wish we would have been able to have a little more time with that design, you know, had the show stuck around a little longer just to, to have more adventures with parts, the parts that we didn't know a lot about. Well, the maddening thing about this is Kaz... Tora and Jaeger ship actually got designs for Tross, but were never used. Uh, and can you imagine their ships as well as like the Colossus in the background of the yes. Tross fight? Like that would have been gorgeous to see this no, massive totally. freaking thing. Well, you know, that's to me, that particular scene in Tross, I think the one big thing that I was missing that I wish it would have just brought all these projects together, everybody calling out their names, and then you get to see the different characters. Even like, if it were pe- played by people that you didn't know who they were, but just to see everyone represented, I would have ugly cried. <laughs> I would ugly cried hearing Hera because we see the ghost. Yes. Or, or, or maybe yes. even Jason Sindula being like Jason Sindula calling in yes. and hearing oh, Kaz's voice, like hearing yeah. Christopher Sean. I'm going to be very careful because yeah. Chris has gone off many of a uh, Tross tangent and I'm going to just kind of back him up and keep him from that because it will be here for 10 minutes. <laughs> if you want to hear Chris's tangent on his thoughts of, of these movies, Go look at listen to our Tross commentary where I was drunk by the time we got to this part. Of the film. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Uh, right, I, I will, will do. <laughs> I don't remember the last hour of our Tross commentary because I was drunk. <laughs> I just know it happened. It was swearing. <laughs> it was swearing. It was swearing. All right. But Chris, you're the visual guy. What are your thoughts about the Colossus rising out of the water? Oh, it was beautiful. It looked like kind of like a key or a mountain on its side. And I love, oh, yeah. I just love water coming off stuff like that, you know. Just the, the whole, the whole look of it was amazing, yeah. And uh, and kind of, sort of, but not really. But it was kind of worth it that we didn't see much of it just for the reveal, you know, because it was just like, you know, we net, we we've. You know, if if we would have been all over the ship and underwater and stuff, we would have gotten an idea of the shape of it and stuff. So this was just sort of like, especially the first time through, just like, whoa, and it keeps coming out of the water. It's yeah, it's gorgeous. And then it keeps just going into the, like, I love the shots of it just going into the sky and like, yes. you can see the sky yes. changing. It goes from blue yeah. sky. You can see it just turning slowly yeah. well, into starlight. Well, they, they use perspective really well because you know you have these two massive you have the colossus which is i mean it's named the colossus it's huge 
But then you have a Star Destroyer that dwarfs that. And then you have little ships flying around it, and you but they manage to keep the scale of everything mm-hmm. by the way they position the Star Destroyer way off in the distance, but it's still huge and just pummeling at them. And the little ships, you get the perspective of them as they fly around the Colossus. It's, it's just amazing. And I just, again, want to touch on Michael Tavera's score, just because as the Colossus is rising out of the water, like, the music is just so triumphant, and it's powerful, and it just sounds like, it's like, like, it's here, the Colossus is here, and it's fucking amazing, the music is just so good, please give us a soundtrack. But, yep. did you guys have anything else for Act 5, or are we ready to wrap this show up? Let's, ch- let's chuck this Stormtrooper to the sharks. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Act six. Chum troopers. <laughs> Chum scoopers. Oh man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, anyway, Act six. So the hangar doors open, and there's Kaz, Yeager, and Tora standing there completely exposed to two TIE fighters. And they're all like, we're about to die. But of course not, because they're protagonists, and plot armor has to protect them. Because suddenly, it's true. I love that. Sorry. It's fine, it's fine. And the ships suddenly blow up. Because Hype and Aunt Z are back, and they have their own pew-pew tank that they took, like, what was it, like, two episodes ago? I don't remember. It was, like, a few episodes ago. And they're all just like, hey, it's Hot Faison! But no one cares, because Aunt Z is the best character in this show! Aunt Z! And she's amazing, and I love her! She's like the drag mother. I love her. She's great. Oh, my God. She's totally a drag mom. Is she not? She totally is! She totally is! Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. So the aces are freed and everybody gets their ship and it's time for the dogfight portion of this battle and everyone's getting everyone's pew-pews on everybody and even Doza's getting some of his pew-pews from the tower and everyone's pew-pewing on everybody else and it's gross, but it's fine. Um, but oh no! Oh no! Old Red himself, Major Vonrich, shows up and he's all like, I'm here to ruin everyone's day because I'm barely a character, but it's fine. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the battle is tight. It's back and forth. And everyone's, like, gaining some and losing some and gaining some, except for the main characters, because none of them dags the plot armor. And then, out of nowhere, the pirates show up. And Kaz is like, this is not a good time for this. But it's okay, because it turns out that pirate mom, Sonara San, is leading them. And she's just like, don't worry, Kaz, I'm here, and I'm fabulous, because I'm Sonara, and I'm the another best character in the show. And Kaz is like, it's my crush, Sonara! And Sonara's like, hey, how's my girlfriend Tam, by the way? Because we're totally lesbians together. And Kaz is like, that's complicated, I'll tell you later, just fight. <laughs> so, the pirates are now fighting, and they have a bigger boat, so they're heading to the Colossus. But oh no, again! A big Star Destroyer Drito shows up in the sky, and it starts pummeling the Colossus. So, they're all in trouble, and Kaz is like, Niku, I need you to put in the coordinates to Dakar, because that's the Resistance base in The Last Jedi. So there's a hint for Season 2 of what's going to happen in Season 2, because Dakar definitely doesn't make it through The Last Jedi. And Kaz calls everybody back to the, the Colossus, and even the pirates tag along and jump on the Colossus. Fun times! But everyone is back except for Yeager and Kaz, who are still fighting Von Reg. And Yeager looks to be in trouble, and if this was any other show, Yeager would have died. 
but it's not. And Kaz pulls off some very fancy flying, and he blows up Von Reg. Goodbye, old Reg. You're not even a character. You're fine. So Kaz and Eager get back to the classes, and they all jump into hyperspace! And they're safe, and it's fun, and everyone's celebrating because no one died except for space Nazis, so that's a good day. But Niku reveals that he didn't get the hyperdrive fully programmed, so, like Elsa, they're flying into the unknown! Bum, bum, into bum. the unknown! That actually space is the title. I'm so mad that we've already used that as a song for the episode, because the first episode of season two is called Into the Unknown. And I, was just like, and I was just like, fuck. And I was like, maybe we've I'll just get, like, Maybe I'll get, like, the 8-bit version of it. Maybe yeah. A different version of it or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, all right, Mark, as our lovely guest, what are your thoughts on Act 6? Well, I love, like, the pirates and see showing up. All that stuff is great because they all kind of get end up getting lumped together and, and go on to this next part of the adventure, right? And it's um, actually such an interesting dynamic because going there was a whole, like, you know, a summer where we're just going, so the pirates are on the Colossus now? What's that going to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, and I love, like we were saying earlier, the whole watching the Colossus slowly make its way, you know, up from the atmosphere to make his escape, um, to tie it back to Star Trek, it reminds a lot of like the, in Star Trek three, the escape of the Enterprise from Starbase as it's being chased. And the, the way that the tension and the music and everything Mm -hmm. progresses in the scene to get the big release I saw a lot of that of this, and when I was watching, even before we even had this conversation on here, it reminded me of that. I was like, oh, I love the way they played that out. It was timed beautifully, um, you know, and and it just it works. It works really, really well. Like you're saying, the soundtrack does help a lot with all of that we're seeing. Um, you know, cause we don't hear a lot about that. I, I forgot that. See, see, I, I even forgot his name. What is the gentleman's name? It does the music for this. I'm sorry. Um, Michael Tavera. Uh, Michael Tavera. Only, okay. This is the only show that Ke- Kevin Kiner hasn't done an animation. Okay. Yeah. And we, we hear about Kiner all the time, but I hardly ever hear this gentleman's name. So. Yeah, I think he did. Uh, Hope is looking up stuff. Ignore her. I'm trying to think of the other name. There's there's another guy who's done done stuff with Ludwig, Kevin. Uh, whoever the guy who does um. What's it called? That thing. The thing with the, the baby Yoda. What is that show? <laughs> oh, Mandalorian. Ludwig, uh, right? Um, yeah, that's Ludwig. There you go. Mandalorian. So. Yes, 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 yes. Tavera is um, a no- very, no- uh, does a lot of animation, um, which d- doesn't surprise me. Like, um, he's done movies such as the Tom and Jerry movies, the scores for those. He did Land Before Time, um, American Tale. Uh, he also, TV-wise, I'm looking at his, he's done things like um, Guardians of the Galaxy TV show. He's doing oh, the upcoming cool. Ghost and Molly McGee show, which looks fantastic. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Uh, he did House of Mouse. So he's done a lot of, like, animated shows. And That's it's very, cool. it's yeah. true, because you could tell this is a very, like, so much of this show, um, the music is very jaunty and very animated, but it's it knows when to get serious, and it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, 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 
And then the fact that they jump into hyperspace just in general, that big ship is just pretty cool. <laughs> I yeah. love that shot of Kaz looking out of it. Like they just slid into safety and he like throws off his helmet and looks out and you can just see just from the hangar point of view, just them slowly going in there and he just pops. It's so good. <laughs> but then of course they're not exactly doing what they're supposed to, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, Niku's Niku, and, you know, he just wanted them to get out of there, and they end up going to Drakkar the Cologne Planet instead. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I love it. I love it that that they they took the big leap with this ship, the huge reveal, and then to go into hyperspace, and they get away. And it launches us into the next season, so... I just have in big letters, Aunt Z, and then under that I have Senna. <laughs> <laughs> Antsy rocks. You. I, I, I love the Nancy. idea of her being a drag mother. I love she that. Is. It's so cool. <laughs> you know that Antsy hangs out with Orca and Flicks and the three of them talk shit together. Like, you know they do. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I love, love her. I, Aunt, okay, like, okay, we're going to have a two second thing here. Antsy is honestly probably one of the best characters of the show. And yes. she's just such an anchor character. And, like, I, I've talked about her all season. I'm just like, I love her. But, it, like, what makes her so good and we see this in um, The Disappeared when she's, you know, it's the Holocaust imagery. She's locked in a shipping freighter being sent off to a prison camp and they have to save her. Like, you know, yeah. like you really see who she is yeah. and you you love her. And she's the gruff bar person, but she's also like has this heart and she cares for these kids and she cares for the people. And she might seem gruff on the outside, but she really loves everybody. And yeah. I love her. I, I, I just I, I adore this character. Yeah. She'll serve you spotchka with a side of tough love. um chris what are some of your thoughts for act six um my only shallow note was uh they low-key really showed off it sort of got overshadowed by kaz's maneuver through the through the colossus but you know yeager has had this reputation as a great pilot and they didn't really push it too hard, but it just, they just low-key showed about like four or five great moves that Jaeger did that I haven't seen done in Star Wars Dogfight. He did a really neat one where he just came head-on to the TIE Fighters and just sort of fainted at them and broke up the group of TIE Fighters that were following one of the X-Wings or one of the, you know, one of the um, fighters that it was just beautiful but it just goes by really fast but it's just like oh it's these are all Yeager's fancy moves you know coming out of retirement and uh my only other note is uh this is just such these two episodes are so satisfying and where 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 this ends they could literally the 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 show could have been over like it wouldn't have been i would have been pissed but they they put it in a place where it's like it's wrapped up enough and satisfying enough. It's like they could end this here if they wanted to, but they've also set it up with, you know, almost infinite possibilities after this. It could be they're lost and trying to find their way to the rebel base. They've got the pirates on there for for, um, you know, tension and and drama. Drama. And, yeah. Drama. And, uh, <laughs> And the only thing that's sort of really left, like, hanging, like, if you were to, to end it, would have been Tam. 
you know, but it, it, it just leaves off sort of at a perfect, perfect spot. And it also like I just love how it it's almost, you know, it, up, it uproots the whole show. The whole show gets uprooted at the end of this. And going into season two, you realize we're going into a whole different show. You know, the whole premise of the the whole sort of not really the premise of the show, but the setting and feel of the show where it was as a sort of outpost in space is gone now the very and fact that we know we're in the force awakened timeline like we now, know mm-hmm. now, yeah, and now we're yeah. on a spaceship now we're flying in a spaceship we're in actually more familiar territory for star wars but not but we're in unfamiliar territory for resistance so it's a it's a, it was i thought it was a really bold way to end the first season you know i also think it's really bold that they didn't kill yeager um, yeah. it, I know, I know I had a joke about that, but most shows he would have died. Yeah. Uh, he would have been it there. And I, I like that they didn't, um, they might've thought about it and been like, you know, we can't beat up Kaz that bad because he just lost his whole planet. That might just be too much to have Yeager go to, you know? I mean, and, and this is kind of like a hope pet peeve. Like, I think it's so easy and so- sometimes cheap, but easy to kill characters to heighten drama. And I always start thinking of the line from Hamilton, dying is easy, living is harder. And living is a much more interesting storyline, but, um, and, and I especially feel this with stuff like like Harry Potter in The Hunger Games. Like, they'll just needlessly kill characters just because they need someone to have, like, man pain or whatever. And I like that they make these choices to make these characters live and struggle because that's so much of an interesting story. But because characters die so easily and often in media, it almost feels fresh and new that you didn't die, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it no. might be partially the kid, the chi- the younger audience that might have helped save him too. I don't know. Um, uh, my only note that I have is I really like the little mini rivalry that Kaz has had with Von Reg all season. The opening shot of the show in episode one is Kaz dead in space as Von Reg is about to kill him and Poe Dameron saves him. And Kaz keeps having these run-ins with Von Reg. And over and over, he continues to lose to Von Reg, and Poe is usually the one there to get him out of it. And then we see that Kaz finally has gotten better and better. He's gotten more familiar with the fireball. He now understands how the ship works, and he understands the Colossus. It's his home, and he's on his home turf, and he finally beats Von Reg. And it's just a really nice capstone of how not only has his skills grown as a spy, he gets to, like, now the fireball is his ship. Um, sorry, Tam. I know it was supposed to be yours, but the fireball is Kaz's ship now. He knows it. He loves it. He understands it. And it's just a really cool, satisfying moment that we open with him almost dying at Von Reg's hands, and now he is the one that gets to take him out in this final moment of season one. And it's great. I love it. And I agree. Anybody else have anything else for Act Six before we wrap this puppy up? Nope. No. Nope. All right, Mark. So. On a yeah. scale of 1 to 10, and you can be as illogical as you want to because you're the guests. We're the ones that yeah. have to hold ourselves to this, you know, stupid <laughs> point system. Yeah. What would you rate these two episodes on a scale of 1 to 10 and why? All right. Um, well, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Um, I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10. Um and that's just because, like I said, I love these big finales. I love seeing everything that you've seen leading up to this point come together. 
and the dramatic value and have it in so strongly so that it sets up uh, what's going to come next. I, I love that so much. And the fact that it connects to The Force Awakens, because that was a huge deal to me when, when I saw these episodes. I was like, oh, my God, they did it. Yeah. It's actually connected to the film now. This is so amazing, you know? Uh, the dramatic punch of Kaz losing, you know, his family, seeing even more humanity added to those planets being destroyed because now we have some context and now what it means you know and 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 not only is it just casual lost somebody there are probably many other people all over the galaxy who lost people on those planets so it's made it very real and this coming from an animated show so i i love that there's so much that gets added to the 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 star wars meat sandwich that is of this era <laughs> with these episodes and uh yeah it's and it's beautiful, so I it's two of my favorite episodes for sure. Chris, what would you score this one? Chris, I think you're muted. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here in silence, savoring the Star Wars meat sandwich. I, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I didn't think you got yes. to it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Hold on. We're gonna have a, Auntie's gonna bring you a drink. Hold on. Let me. Let's go get her. No. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do the rare Chris thing and I think I'm gonna be the, the high score. I gave this a nine point five. This isn't, this isn't my favorite episode so far, but I think this is these two episodes are the best two best episodes of this season. They are they are they it's a lot of lot of work earned earned work and uh very, very satisfying and mm-hmm. and just and the and the way it all plays out is perfect. It's a little bit of everything, the every element of the story so far, and then it twists it off into a different direction. So yeah, I gave it a nine point five. This is my uh, uh yeah be- best two episodes of the season. Never score higher than me. <laughs> I know. You, I was surprised. Did you score a 9.5 on the platform classic? Because you really liked that episode too. I think I don't it got remember. a nine, but I, I don't think I've done 9.5 yet. That's a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's sort of what I wanted for for resistance. What I was sort of hoping for was uh, it was would be based around the racing, and it would just sort of have that racetrack element to it. But yeah, a little. Uh, I will say the only reason this isn't slightly higher is because I personally enjoyed the disappeared a little bit more, which I think was a 9.5, but I still give this a 9 out of 10. Like, this is a solid finale. Like, it has very resistance moments, like with Buggles and, like, the Shark Buffet. Like, those are very resistance things that only the show could pull off, and it probably wouldn't work in other Star Wars. But it's so heartbreaking watching Kaz get his planet destroyed. Uh, Christopher Sean, Susie McGrath, the entire team really brought their like vocal A game in this one. Tam leaving is such a flipping of stereotypical narratives. The plot armor of the characters, it's just a gorgeous episode from start to finish. Like I, I gave it a nine mm-hmm. out of ten because the only reason the disappearance score is slightly higher is I just personally enjoy that episode a little bit more. And that's just a hope personal thing. I think I will say I think this is a lot more satisfying than that one. So. It's 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 really uh it's really you know you talk about the A game pretty much every element of this is firing on the A game writing 
um, animation, music, acting. It's all it, plot. It's all just working perfectly hand in hand with each other. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I, you know, just looking up Rucklin and I, for whatever reason, I just didn't even catch that that's Elijah Wood doing the voice work. <laughs> yeah, that means Rucklin is that oh Mikami. <laughs> what the hell? I totally no. forgot. Yeah, yeah. Like I, so, I love, I love Elijah Wood, and I love that he wow. plays the shittiest character. <laughs> right? Oh my god, it's so That's crazy. Frodo. <sighs> it's actually because we had uh, Brad and Sarah from Friends of the Force on a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. and the first moment I wrote like that, they heard me say the words "that bitch Rucklin," they were both just like, "He is a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> yes and, and i think it was sarah she was like that's exactly how i feel about the characters you said it in two words that bitch <laughs> yes exactly uh, uh well you guys we're not going to do any feedback this week because we have a guest on our show um but if you do want to leave us feedback you can leave it on itunes twitter or on the two true freaks facebook page we also have a yes you web- can now yes you can now the website yeah, you can go to the episode. You can go to each of our episodes on the website and put comments in. Now you can comment. Has that changed since this morning? Since I looked at it? <laughs> no, it's no. It was like that this morning. If you go look at any episode on our brand new podcast and and scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's a comment window. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you so can you- comment, and we can actually answer your comments and all that stuff. And just a friendly reminder, we do love Yoda questions. Feel free to send Yoda questions if you want to know, like, the meaning of life and stuff like that. So feel free. Um, so I don't have anything else for No Escape Part 1 and 2. Do you have anything, Mark? Nope. Nope. Do you have anything, Chris? Nope. All right, Mark. Well, where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at I am El Diablito and every Friday night at 730 Pacific time on Pink Milk After Dark with Emma and Brian, where we talk Star Wars queerly. I can't uh, I can't emphasize how much fun we have. Like I'm I, I'm usually in the chat with them in the steam room and it is such a fun time. And I implore you to check it out. Even if you can't make it, just watch the episodes. Like, yes. the conversations. I I particularly really enjoyed you guys going through the prequel trilogy recently. Yeah, I that think was fun. You guys, well, you guys, what I liked about it, too, was you guys really celebrated what you loved about the prequel trilogy while being fairly critical where yes. it was due. And <laughs> it was such a wonderful balance of analyzing those three movies. So, like, guys, listen to me. Go check out Pink Milk and on 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 YouTube because Pink Milk After Dark is so much fun, and I love it so much. We are a family. Come join our family. Indeed. <laughs> Was there anything else? No. And oh, oh, before I forget, I left you a funny little picture. I just see you just see it. <laughs> we started a guest graffiti wall at the very bottom and Mark has left us a picture Yay. of Miku going. It's a little picture of Miku going. Good. I know. There's a picture of Miku going, listen here, you little shit. <laughs> I was looking online for something and I saw that. I was like, oh, I got to add this to the page. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for adding to our guest graffiti wall at the bottom. <laughs> All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at the aforementioned revamped and higher functioning 
twotruefreaks.com website where we keep all our podcasts, including this one. I'm sorry if I sound a little uh, um, warbly right now. I, my cat has hugged onto my body. This Bernice! Her, her head is actually right by the microphone, but I'm burping her like a baby, so I'm sort of vibrating a little bit. She's a weirdo. I love her! <laughs> um... And uh, yeah, we got a brand new shiny new website, so it's got a bunch of new features. You should go check it out. It's all pretty and and up to date. Since, since our last website, we've made in like 2010 or something, 11, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's 2008. <laughs> well, that's when we started, but we were on Libsyn for a while, and then oh. we we did the Libsyn. Couple, There's something I haven't heard in a while. Back in the old, <laughs> right. old days. Back when it used to cost us like seventy dollars a month to, and we were only had enough space to put out like five or six podcasts in that month. Jeez. Good times, good times. But that's <laughs> all over and replaced by twotruefreaks.com, and you can sign up for our, our RSS feeds there or at iTunes and wherever else usually podcasts are available. We are also on Facebook with the Two True Freaks podcast page where you'll see all our podcasts go up from our many, 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 many podcasters who are all very active. And you can go to the Two True Freaks Cantina and just hang out and chat with the other freaks. Or you can go to the vile, dystopian wasteland that men call Twitter. (laughs) And you can do it all there, too. See all our shows there if why you would want to i don't know but go ahead you can do it you have that option in america or whatever and that is run by the brave brave man gene gene the twitter machine don't ask it's a thing just just oh he's listened to the show man i imagine he's heard the gene song by now (laughs) reminds me of the gong show oh yeah (laughs) yeah We have a special opening with some gong show mu- music in it with Gene that, that we'll uh, whip out every once in a while. Nice. Um, <laughs> I love it. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find us on Twitter at JGuysAndJedi. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Mullinax on Twitter. I have my website, GeekyGirlExperience.com, where I write reviews and all sorts of things. I've written a lot about Resistance, and I'm currently reviewing Bad Batch, so that should be up. Um, and Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where I force Chris to watch my favorite animated shows. We are wrapping up Gravity Falls, and Chris is about to start watching Avatar The Last Airbender for the very first time. And I'm um, about to make Hope watch Rock and Roll here pretty soon. That's next week, right? Is that next week? I think Ooh, so. Okay. Yeah, I think that's next week. And then, yeah, yeah and then after Rock and Roll, we're going to start Avatar. So. He's going to be watching it for the first time, and he's really excited about that, and me too. So um, you can check us out over there. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. I had a great time. You're so awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. And you're welcome back on the show anytime. Anytime. Hey, sweet. <laughs> I mean, we're like two for two for like Pink Milk members. All I got to do is grab m and <laughs> Right, exactly, which uh, that's going to be great. I'm 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 seriously contemplating the Hope Mullinex intervention show with all the Star Trek fans 
you should because brian needs that he i just i'm going to make it happen and it's gonna be a great day you don't need another podcast to edit well we could just do one podcast after that or you know one pot that'll just be the episode it'll be we'll get all the all the star trek fans on there and each one will go through with their own prescription <laughs> of which Star Trek to start start you out on. I just heard Mr. Neeson. Did you hear? Rah. Did you hear? Take a sweat. Yeah, she's she's manic. <laughs> she wants to be in my lap, but if she's pointed in the wrong direction, she will strike like a cobra. <laughs> Poor girl, you don't send me enough pictures of Mr. Bernie's. I'm very upset. Oh, I got, I got, I, I posted them on a Discord, but uh, my roommate took some glamour shots. I've got some glamour shots coming. Oh, please do, please do. <laughs> anyway, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, anytime. I, like I said, I had fun and it was awesome going over these episodes. And make sure you guys. You check out Pink Milk After Dark on YouTube. It's fantastic. We have a good time. Even if you can't be in the live show, it's still so much fun. I can't recommend it enough. Exactly. And come back come next with week. Us. Oops, sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, come, feel free to come back next week. I think next week, Chris, we're doing the shorts, right? The resistance shorts between season one and season two. Oh. Uh, I forgot all yeah, about those. Yeah, I guess you're right. Hey, Chris, surprise, you're right. we're doing these resistance shorts next week. I should probably find those for you and pull them up. I'm sure they're all on YouTube. I actually, I do think they were YouTube exclusives because I don't even think they're on Disney Plus now that I think about it. So. I want to say they are, or am I imagining it? Rebels didn't have shorts, right? He did, but they were premiered before the show, and those are on okay. Disney Plus. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of because I thought I thought I had seen them. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I'll have to double check, but yeah, we're gonna do the shorts next week between season one, and season two. So we'll Excellent. get those. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
ゴーホーム！